Well, there goes the neighborhood. Good morning, everybody. Welcome and good morning to you live on this Saturday morning, February 12, 2022. Thank you, dear. Thank you. Don't I look sharp-ish? That's my darling and adorable wife, Joyce, over there. How do you spell aqua? How do I spell aqua? Like the water? A Q U A. There's no C in it. No, it's just aqua, like that. Um, like when you have underwater terrorists, they say a la aqua. That wasn't even. That's not even the comedy we're going to be doing later on this. Oh my God! On this episode of Dave's Gone By, it is our 837th episode of the program, and we are calling it Frigidaire. Frigid. Dare here, and I will explain why. In fact, I'll explain why right now. Coming up in just a week or so at the Crane Theater. Uh, do I even? Ha- I forgot to put the of all things. I forgot to put the dates down for it. But happening at the Crane Theater off off Broadway on East Fourth Street is a Fringe Festival. Remember these? I was in uh, one of them. I was in I think the Midtown International Fringe Festival. I also did the Boulder Fringe with uh, my show, The Miracle of Long Johns. And, and you know, we're out of sort of the heyday of festivals. We have been even before the pandemic. But if you remember 10, 20 years ago, it was a big thing all summer long. You had Fringe NYC and then the Midtown Fringe and then these other fringe festivals popping up all over um, America. And it would just be like 50 different off-Broadway shows or really off-off-Broadway shows Sometimes big casts and musical productions, sometimes as simple as a person with a monologue or, or a stand-up routine, and just one after the other. They, they go into the theater, they do the show, they hurry on out, because another show would come in there ten minutes later. And they use eight different venues all over the city. The idea of it was fringe. It wasn't the thing that you were going to get commercial producers to put three million dollars in to try out off broadway and then bring to broadway it was sort of like this is our little space we're going to get people who are interested in seeing fresh new faces yeah if you don't mind frigid nyc um and and yeah of course over the years because you have so many fringe festival type shows you get ones that that somehow have made a bigger leap i'm pretty sure well i know that you're in town the musical started as a fringe offering and eventually made it all the way to to broadway and won some awards there uh and i i'm i think the constitution play started sort of fringy maybe it was just off off broadway um frigid nyc 2022 at the crane theater it's not spelled like the the bird it's crane k-r-a-i-n-e and that is happening uh, for about two weeks. And again, they're going to have about 50 shows. A lot of them solos, not all of them. Some of them really, really weird and goofy and fringy. And, and some of them more typical and more of something you might see off-Broadway. Yeah, that might, might yeah, it actually might start this week, this Wednesday. It says when I do Crane Theater Fringe Festival dates on Google, it's bringing up things on the 16th. Well, it's much more than two days. Uh huh. Yeah, it is the 16th annual. I, I, February, it says February 16th, 
Pritchard will present 16th annual Pritchard Festival, as you said, Crane Theater, 85 East 4th. Yes. Between 2nd and Bowery. Mm. And under St. Mark's, which is 94 St. Mark's Place between 1st and M&A. So there's in two venues. Yeah, I'll, I'll post the, um, the link. Yeah. It's the 16th to the 6th. Wow, all the way through March 6th? Yeah, but you need oh. to have, uh, uh, they say that uh, performances will be available to live stream from home, live stream, and that proof of vaccination is required. Even if you're watching from home? Yeah. That's yeah. rather strange that they're forcing you to have vaccinations while you're home watching on your computer. No, it is the uh, 16th annual Frigid Festival. It's another one. It, it, think about that. It's for 16 years. I don't know if they did one the last year or two. Maybe they did one virtually. But this year is in person with a streaming component. Anyway, uh, we're going to have several people who are creating shows for this year's Frigid Festival. And if you were watching the program last week, um, you also know that one of the things that you do to get attention in a fringe festival, in a frigid festival. Did you well, call them writers or what? Performers? Well, they're, they're not all performers. One, one is a playwright. So, one, so they're artists. Okay. They're frigid artists um, who are taking a frigid dare. So, um, um, one of the things that you do or, or are tempted to do if you want to get attention for your show that's going to be in the frigid festival. I'm sorry, what? 10 or 11. Is what? When do they come on your show? On the 10 a.m. Eastern, um, is you want to find a title that is going to stand out. You want to find, you know, because if you have, if you're in the midst of, say, the, the fringe NYC, which I think is coming back, uh, and there's a hundred, literally a hundred other shows from all around the world with which you are competing, and in Edinburgh too, when people go to that, and there's, there's several hundred shows playing at a given Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You, how do you make yourself, like, when people are scanning titles, you, you give yourselves some of the weirdest, strangest, funniest, most ridiculous titles, so a person is going to be scanning this list and go, <laughs> that sounds like, you know, let me, let me at least check out what that is, and then I'll see if I want to go see it, you know, on my fringe pass, if you will. And, and sometimes that works. Sometimes the person will go, you know, that's cute, and I, and I like the idea of the show. Let's go, which is a major thing because you're choosing that over 10 other shows that are happening at the same time. So one of the things I used to do when I wrote for Playbill, when I was managing editor of Playbill.com, was that was one of my favorite stories to write all year long, was when the frigid, when the fringe and the midtown fringes and the, the area fringes in other states would be happening. I do, well, here's the friend, here's the details, and here's some stuff. And by the way, among the titles of shows that are coming to this Fringe Festival are, and I always look for the most ridiculous, most tasteless, sickest, goofiest ones. And then you you find these kinds of joys in your day job. Uh, But anyway, I did that again last week. I I picked out some of the, the goofiest titles happening in this year's 2022 Frigid Festival. A couple of the people involved in those titles are going to be on the show today in less than an hour. Yeah. That's so awesome. I put in the chat the, the Frigid Festival, the Frigid site, and I put from a Broadway world where they could read more about Oh, thank you. Yeah. That is... yeah. So we have, let, let me tell you about a couple of the people who are coming on this program to talk about their shows, to talk about doing Fringe Theater this year. <clears throat> now, this is not a particularly, um, uh, 
exciting title, if you will, a public-private prayer. I mean, it's got the alliteration going on, but it sort of, sort of sounds like a, a sad kind of thing, but not really. It's Grant Bowen, who's a stand-up comedian, and he has a show about learning how to talk to God, but in a more sort of comical way through his life. It's autobiographical, as a lot of these things tend to be. We'll be having Grant Bowen on the show in sort of a, a panel, a panoply of paneling on Dave's Gone By, talking about the fringe. Okay, that's what, a public-private prayer. Bathroom of a Bar on Bleecker. Oh, the writers do love their alliteration. This was created by a guy named Mike Lemby. He is the playwright, even though he's not appearing in his own solo show. And I love the, um, the plot of this one. It has to do with a very, very popular podcast that is ending its long run. And I guess they, they broadcast from the bathroom of a bar on Bleecker Street because of the acoustics. But it's, it's Mike Lemmy. He will be with us on the show in just a little while. Then, and then, okay, here's title one. Here's a title. This is a show that you can go see between February 16th and March 6th downtown in the village as part of the Frigid Fest. Three funerals and a chimp. Three funerals and a... Well, no, no, well, see, it, it takes off on three weddings and a funeral, which is a great high-concept movie title, of course. But three, three funerals and a chimp. And this one it has a great title but sounds depressing because it's all about this guy who loses two members of his family in short succession and then has to go take care of his dad who's dying. Comedy, three funerals and a chimp. And that is being brought to us by uh, Brian Schiller. He wrote it. He appears in it. Brian Schiller will be with us in the neighborhood. And then, of course, we need a girl. We need a girl, too. Um, and girl is Julia Vanderveen. She's doing a show that says, yeah, and it's a catchy title. It's not the funniest, weirdest title. My Grandmother's Eye Patch. My Grandmother's Eye Patch. But this looks like a lot of fun. This one is a solo show with some, <clears throat> some dance and movement in it. Of She is bidding, and this is true, bidding farewell to her grandmother, who, who passed, but she does it in kind of a kaleidoscopic, absurdist comedy way. Julia Vanderbeek, also going to be on our episode. And then the first title that caught me, really it caught, um, it caught this guy even more than me. Hello, Potato. Good morning. How are you? Potato's still suffering PTSD, uh, Potato Traumatic Syndrome, because he, he fell into a lamp and got burned uh, a few weeks ago. So you can see he's sort of patched up, he's sewn up, He's, he's still got, um, you know, we're, we're going to send him to Dr. Dubrow and that guy at some point to, to maybe do some coloration work. But but he's all right. He's okay. Anyway, Potato and all the potatoes that I have love themselves some ketchup and ketchup, as we call it, in its nascent form. There is a, there is a show. There is a show as part of the uh, Frigid Festival that is called Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, But Banjos Saved My Life. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a DJ. You're the tomato rapper. Tomatoes tried to kill me, but banjos saved my life. Apparently, it's about cancer, and it stars a guy named Keith Alessi. He wrote and uh, appears in it, and he also plays the banjo in it. It's all about, you know, how music saved him, and it's a true story and all of that. So, so here we, well, banjos quite literally saved his life, or maybe not literally, maybe metaphorically. We'll find out. So Keith Alessi, Grant Bowen, Mike Lemmy, Brian Schiller, and Julia Vanderbeek all going to be with us, talking not to me, of course, 
But I, I'm not getting into my wonderful wife, Joyce, but to the great, the one, the only, the Jewish, Rabbi Saul Solomon, who is uh, waiting in the wings. He has a bunch of questions for all these folks, and they're all going to be on together. You know, usually when we do this program, it's one-on-one, or sometimes we have two guests talking to the rabbi. This is going to be a like a, a literal Jewish gangbang, five on one, <laughs> I don't even, with a rabbi, all talking Frigid Festival, all talking Fringe Theater, all ha- having fun, I'm hoping. We'll also have a, a smaller gangish bangish later in the program when we do our weekly Today Yesterday Trivia Quiz. And our regular wonderful panelists, David Sheward, a theater critic for TheaterLife.com, CultureWeekly.com, Leslie Hoban Blake, a theater director and also the co-host of the video podcast Critics Circle. They are squaring off against each other alongside our beloved Chicago actress and writer Vicki Quaddy. She co-created the show Late Night Catechism. She spends a lot of Saturdays with us uh, wonderfully here on Dave's Gone By. All three of them play the Today Yesterday Trivia Quiz, and we all have a blast. That'll be later in the show. We also do have, and um, consider this a warning, a new Colorado Limerick of the Damned. I, Joyce and I lived in Colorado for a bunch of years, wherein I started writing a poem every week about a different place in Colorado. This week we go to Castle Pines for a horrible five-line piece of verse that goes from better to verse. Castle Pines, Colorado, our limerick of the damned, and even time-permitted Greeley Crimes in old times, where uh, from, oh, I didn't bring my folder. Ooh, I didn't bring my folder. Um, okay, Mo, where we go to... Um, I'm inviting people. Oh, thank you, babe. Uh, where we go to... Um, Back to Greeley, Colorado. In fact, the newspaper there, the weekly, or, or excuse me, used to be daily. Now it's four times a week in hard copy. It's still every day on the web. The Greeley Tribune has two intentionally funny columns in it every week, but they're taken from actual things. They're taken from phone calls that come into the local police dispatch, and also Mike Peters, our friend there, goes through the newspapers from 100 years ago and finds the funniest things that were actually printed in the Tribune back in 1922. Grilly crimes and old times, we call it. So that, what a show we got, but what a, what a show we have for you here on this Saturday, February 12, 2022. We're calling it Dave's Gone By. So, stuff to talk about. My dear, first of all, how was your week? You talk, I'm going to get my folder. But uh, how was your week, my darling? Yeah. You know, it's it's never good when your wife says, I'm trying to do the frigid stuff. <laughs> that that could involve a gynecologist. Where's my folder? Where the hell is my folder? Here it is. Here it is. I'm don't go away, folks. I'm actually here. Um but anyway. So you had a pretty decent week. You, you gave me... I, I want to spend a lot of time, though. I have one subject, one thing that I'm going to get... Ooh, I'm going to get right into because, oh, I'm mad today. Oh, I've got... Ooh, something evil and angry on my mind. But before we get to that, you know, McDonald's is bringing back the McCrap. Joyce... Jo- well, that's what's what. First of all, there's a thing. We, we saw this, and this was back in Colorado. We saw this on a sign at McDonald's. And among the things that they were advertising, saying they're having special for a short time, 
was the McRap. M small c w r a p. And I, I'm, I see, I don't think anything of it. But Joyce says it. And the way she says it, we realize, oh my God. It's the McRap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. McDonald's has its McRap, which is basically is the entire menu. Um, also, though, they're bringing back, because it's almost, well, it's not, we're a month away from St. Patrick's Day. But coming soon to a McDonald's near you, the Mint Oreo Shamrock McFlurry. Oh, I don't know why I find that so funny. but Because it's, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. So, my mother and I, we have, I have no Irish ancestry, right? I know genetically. Yeah. But my mother, when we went to Ireland, I got her a kerchief that had, like, the silk with the little shamrock. And so people throw all kinds of stuff at me. And if I was, I would be offended if they called it a mick, mick, mick. What, it's a, it, um, shamrock McFlurry. A shamrock McFlurry. I, I, it's a problem. <laughs> and that'd be like in a Bowery Boys film if they had an Irish cop that the, the boys were getting in trouble to. Oh, a shamrock McFlurry. What you know, boys up to? Let me just take my Michelin and beat the crap out of you. I'll beat the crap out of you. Oh, anywho, I do. I, but that that doesn't make me angry. That makes me very very happy. Hearing about the the Shamrock McFlurry and the McRap from uh, McDonald's, I'm thrilled about that. But let me tell you what happened to me this week. Uh, <laughs> so you know, invariably, as a broadcaster, as a podcaster. I'm generally pro freedom of speech. I'm generally, uh, even though back as uh, 20, 30 years ago, I mean, if I saw that Nazis were marching in some town in Illinois, uh, they're like, we need to go to Skokie and, and shoot them and kill them, and then how dare they be allowed to march? And, uh, and how dare the ACLU protect their so-called freedom of speech? They're Nazis. <laughs> they want me dead. I want them dead. Let's, let's, let's all get guns and then see what happens, right? So, generally, I, how, aside from that, I tend to stand on the side of say what you want to say, as long as you're not um, saying fire in a crowded theater, creating a riot, causing someone to get killed, so, so on and so forth, directly killed. I think that's important. Causing someone to get directly killed. So, what does it mean? I'm, huh? What does it mean, causing someone to get directly killed? Like, if I tell... Yeah, if I'm Charlie Manson, and I command my followers, you know, Charlie Manson never killed anybody. Charlie Manson had people killed, right? But, um, so here's here's the deal. And I've been defending Joe Rogan on Spotify, right? I don't listen to it. I have never heard Joe Rogan's podcast. I know it's the most popular. I know there's, there's a quarter of a, no, not even, like, yeah, maybe millions of people who listen to him. He makes $100 million from Spotify, which puts him in a position to counteract people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, who have an issue with his saying things. And this is before the whole race stuff came out. But back last month or so, Rogan has his opinions, which I generally disagree with, about vaccination mandates. Not necessarily vaccine. I don't really, I don't know his stance on actually just getting a vaccine for yourself, but he's certainly anti-vaccine mandate in various states and across the country. You know, he's aligning himself with these crazy truckers who are on the borderline of Canada or whatever the hell is going on there. 
Okay. That is his opinion, and he is entitled to it. I repeat that. That is his opinion, and he's entitled to it, and he's entitled to speak it. He's entitled to say it, and people who want to listen to it are entitled to hear it. Period. Then they go digging up Joe Rogan. Then they go, you know, into podcasts from a decade ago, kind of a different era, and find him making jokes and, and microaggressive things about blacks and, and other cultures, and they're pulling those down. Also, I don't even get into that, although it's still sort of part of the same thing. But let's, let's just keep it in terms of the, the whole vax mandate, anti-vax thing. Let's just keep it there. So that is his p- position. He's got a huge platform on Spotify. And then these artists who say, as long as he's on Spotify, I don't want to be on Spotify. And what's kind of exciting is, you'll you'll hear this next week, Rabbi Saul Solomon interviewed Judy Collins. And the legendary Judy Collins, we're going to be playing that next week. Uh, And then he asked her, her opinion on the whole thing. So. um, Was that recent? Well, yeah. It was just this past week. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? Rabbi Saul Solomon, Joe Collins. I'm I'm losing, because I didn't have enough caffeine. I'm inviting people. Uh Who was the singer we had on that was lovely? The cabaret singer who played last week? Last week? She played the ukulele and stuff. Oh, that that was back in our New Year's show, if you can believe it. It was, um, well, we had both Christine Lavin and Sylvie Simmons. She was was lovely. Thank you. Thank you for finding her. Yeah. Um, But anywho, so the Vax mandate thing. Which, again, I honestly, I don't know how, I think everybody should get a vaccine. I've had all three, you know, I've, I've had the first two, and then the booster a few weeks ago, right? I've done everything the CDC has told me to do, right or wrong, and, and thank God, except for a sore arm, it hasn't, affected. I've had no negative effects as far as I know, it's fine. Everybody should get one, right? Personal, you know, I got one because my wife, got because my, my mom lives with us, we're, we're, no, we live with her, actually. It's because I have a health condition that if I get right. sick, I could die. Yes. So I have a serious health condition. So you can make the choice, and I can make the choice for your sake to have not just two shots, but all three. Because I don't want you to put, I don't want you to kill me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my, you know, it, it's, there's a difference, though, of being mandated that I have to by the government. That's a, that is a, that's a thing. Okay. But you have to think about this, right? So, right. This is a global pandemic, and the only way you're going to prevent this pandemic from going on forever and ever is by really locking down and doing some techniques. It's not like, oh, I want you to get you know this for the flu or this for pneumococcal pneumonia. It's like, this is a global pandemic, and there's a public health. You have to have a public health arm. Like, when I work with people with TB, when they have drug-resistant TB, we can find them if they didn't take wow. medication. Yeah. Why? Because if you have drug-resistant TB and you don't take meds and you have drug-resistant TB, you are going to make a superbug, which right. we have now. We have a super virus. Yeah. And there's a difference. And she's just talking about my herpes. So no, I know, but, but that's the thing. It's like, in you know, in extraordinary times, you need extraordinary measures, right? So Fair enough. Like, it's not just like, oh, it's a cold. It's like, if I get it, I'll die. Right. So I don't, want, I don't want somebody who's infected to kill me right. because... I'm protecting myself. We need to have some larger public health effort. It's which not, we have, which we did. Different. It's different than saying, oh, you need a, 
a vaccine for something that won't take out a population. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that, like COVID, like think of it, right? When it first started, that first year, and yeah. when Delta came around, yeah. absolutely, right. I mean, I am on mostly yeah. that side. I have chosen, and even, even if it hadn't been for you, even if we weren't married, even if I didn't know you, I mean, aside from the fact that I work in a school district, I would have had to dot, dot, dot at a certain point, you know. Yeah, but it's I still believe. Nice to infect the children. <laughs> but I believe it's your right to disagree. Yeah. I I do believe it is your right to at least you know to to I mean even to be somewhat hypocritical to get the shots and then say it's not really hypocritical and then say I got the shots your choice to get the shots if you want to but government can't force us to do it. Right. I don't know really a hundred percent where I stand on that. I'm fairly malleable. I'm, pr- I'm, I generally, especially if this was much earlier in the pandemic, I was like, oh my God, of course everybody, you know, you know, the government should line up people around the blocks and just give them a vaccine whether they like, like it or not, just to, to so we don't have millions dying. They do that in the army. So when yeah. my dad was, you know, brought in, they don't say like, oh, we're gonna, you know, I mean, I, I think that, I think that it goes deeper because there's not a collective spirit in most societies either. Oh, certainly not. So this spirit is this. Spirit it's is become like, political. Let's yeah. all work together to like find a solution. Ever. Ever. That's my approach. Most people's approach are like, this is what I'm doing. Da, 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 all about me, 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 me. And that's not helpful. Look what happened to, what, what, yeah, when they were finally able to pass some sort of um, infrastructure bill. By the time they did it, a bridge collapsed in Pennsylvania. Children have been required for years to have vaccination. Yeah, protocols. absolutely. Nobody's coming. Small uh, smallpox, polio, measles, rubella, diphtheria. Yeah, all of that. I mean, we, nobody even thinks about it except Jenny McCarthy and, the, and her crazy friend, right? So, yeah, okay. Everybody should get this and this and this. Um, you know, fine, but. I do believe that you have the right to believe otherwise and to speak otherwise if you don't believe it. I think that you have to. I think everybody has the right to express an opinion. But I think, like you said before, there are certain things that are, you know, like you have the right to bear arms, but you don't have the right to go on a killing spree. You know, oh. like there's like... My arm is mostly bare. Uh, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's, there's, I think there's a sensibility, right? There's yes. There's a sensibility and not a... And, and as I said, you don't shout... Fire in a crowded theater. Yeah. You, know, you don't do something, and you don't block roads if you're yeah. truckers and, and keep people from getting goods in the middle when we can't even get goods, right? Exactly. So here's the deal. Has my has my status though? Has my opinion changed over the past couple of weeks about vaccines and mandates? You know, I got the booster weeks ago. I've been very vocal about it, very open about it, and been pro-vaccine and wavering a little bit on on like a government mandate. That's all. That's I have not changed in that stance in weeks, have I? I mean, you, you listen to the, you're here. You yeah, know, I, to, I think a lot of your stuff is that you don't want to do what I kind of encourage you to break fine. so that I don't die. But let me explain why I'm, I'm yeah. bringing this up. I get a message earlier this week, <clears throat> excuse me, from YouTube. And YouTube tells me mm-hmm. that we have taken down your show. We've removed, we blocked it. We've removed it. Now, I've had my issues with YouTube in years past when they would take down a show because um, I had copyrighted, you know, we used to have a, a segment every show. We'd play three or four Bob Dylan songs and call it Bob Dylan Sooner or Later because this, this was a music and talk show for many, many years, right? And so, WGBE 
Joey, the station manager, she used to always call me a sign and she said, I don't know how David's developed it, but he has the, like the best and most eclectic um, use of music. She loved it. She's like, I love the music. And she was a big music person. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, I just love. And she's like, I want that playlist or I want to. She loved yeah. the music you did. She, yeah. she always pulled me aside and said, I love it. Yeah. You know? And I used to love playing yeah. music. Part of the show. It was supposed to be like a, a, a almost a Vin Skelza sort of thing, except more comedy oriented. Just talking, talking, comedy bits and music. And the whole panoply. And we did that for years, especially when we were on college radio. And then suddenly coming on Facebook and uploading things to YouTube, suddenly the, the Dylan songs that I played had to be muted or the whole episode had to be, was blocked in these countries, like Latvia. You can't listen to Dave's Gone By. Why? Because he's playing three Dylan songs. Latvia? I'm, I'm joking. I mean, whatever countries. Some countries is fine. They don't give a shit, you know. Uh, Mongolia, you can listen to Dave's Gone By. No, Mongolia, Dylan doesn't care. But uh, but Columbia Records, they care here and there. Yeah, and it's not just Dylan. I mean, it was, it was other, um, and sometimes it was copyright of actual songs, the, the song lyrics rather than the performances, because they have bots that go in deep and look for stuff. So yeah, I was breaking YouTube copyright rules. Not knowing, because uh, even then, YouTube was an afterthought. It still is. I have my own website, davesgoneby.com, as you all know. That's where all the archives are, as you all know. But I also want to get my stuff out there on these different platforms. And each one has its little thing. Like, as you know, I put an hour of the show randomly on public access here on Long Island every Tuesday night from 9.30 until 10.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're, you have Altice Cable in Nassau County and you want to watch an hour of Dave's Gone By... I, it was bought. It was oh, you know, they do. Yeah. So if you happen to have that cable provider, Channel 20, Tuesday nights, you can watch an hour of Dave's Gone By. What I found out at that point was suddenly, oh, you know, I'm doing essentially a commercial for a particular sponsor, right? And, and these were episodes I did weeks ago before even thinking of putting the, the show on, on local public access television. And suddenly I get, you know, notes from the guy who is dealing with Altice Cable and public access here in Nassau, saying, you know, you've got to recut this or we, we can't upload this because you have a two-minute commercial in here for this but product. But that's fair because if not, then what happens is that then that station just becomes yeah. like, you, because public access, you want crazy, you want fun, yeah. you want odd. You don't want commercial. Yeah, if you because want a commercial, you have to buy time on a... On a we get yeah. enough commercials yeah. on... Every streaming service that you don't pay for, right. every, you know, I mean, you just want to watch something that's, like, non-commercial free. I, I feel that. I, I'm not gainsaying that. I'm not saying negative about it. I'm saying, but that was a thing. That was a challenge, if you will. That was something that was a pain in the ass that I wasn't expecting, where a couple of the shows, yeah, you know, during the show, as you know, I will take a, a minute or two or three, or would, don't anymore, to, to say, hey, patronize this place, you get this percent off if you mention our show, da, 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 and, and public access would see this and say, no, 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 we, we can't air that. So I have to go back and recut the episode and add other, you know, something filler for those minutes and do, and so it was a pain in the butt. Uh, now, to save myself that, I'm very circumspectly talk about our sponsor in a way that isn't a commercial or, or isn't even like a PBS um, what, what, what do they do? A sponsorship mention, right? Oh, like a telethon. Yeah, yeah. Or, or when they do, 
What you, you, oh, they you, say like this is sponsored public by radio. the Smith family, the such and such right. foundation. Right. The, they can't say go those, buy this. No, but they're they're funders. I mean, yeah. But it also is like it's a cha- tax write off for the charity, but also it gives them good uh, good PR. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're sponsoring Sesame Street, come on, you know, like you <laughs> Sesame Street is partially brought to you by Ruth Clicquot Champagne. Yeah, yeah. They're like I gotta go buy that while I watch it. <laughs> yeah. So I get it. It was a pain, but I get it. So that's what I have to keep in mind and deal with when I do the show, and it goes on public access. No commercial, you know, that format doesn't allow commercials. I get it. Fine, 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 fine. When I put shows on YouTube and also Facebook, I've got to worry about, oh, you know, I'm not blanket covered on ASCAP and BMI rules and and rules for paying a certain blanket amount to so and so forth, so these artists get paid a penny every time I play them. But then you know, it's like I wasn't even thinking about that when I started the show on ter- terrestrial radio. Was pay for anyway, and then on college radio we had a deal, and, and it was I didn't think about it. I was supposed to play music. It was a college music station, right? The talking was what I shouldn't have been doing, but I did it. Um, you know, and now coming back to it, when you know suddenly all these shows that I posted on YouTube years ago. Now they're muted. Now they're blank on the form because the copyrighted songs are on there. I get it. It sucks, but I get it. I get all that. But now, now, I get this message from YouTube that they've taken, not last week's show, but the show from the week before, uh, number 835. Or maybe it was 825. I think it was, I'm sorry, I think it was 835. Well, if you go through YouTube and you find one of our recent shows missing, that's the one. Um, saying that it has to do with vax misinformation and that they're trying to, you know, be on the side of the angels and say that, you know, by, by posting this, you're, um, I should have taken their actual message. I, I don't think I have it. Uh, that. You may be causing a public health emergency. <laughs> they they, well, they put it like that. So, okay. But how dare they? I know somebody who works for Meta. We, yeah. should, we should be Facebook. And they have AI, so they have like artificial, you know, they have uh, algorithms scanning for words, but they also have people, they have so three, maybe four yeah. prong, I don't know all of them. They have the scanning that's done um, by Los, Las Machinas, right? The machine scan for like stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they have individuals who look. They have, like, physical human beings who do it. Mm-hmm. And then they have reporting, people report and say, right. what? You know, so those are the three we know of. So things are being scanned. And I think, my opinion, it's like trying to get a drop of black ink or red ink or blue ink in a swimming pool. Because as soon as you try to get, okay, this is something that someone said that's not based in fact, you've got everywhere. Like, mm. I don't know how you... The stuff I read, and these are academics on Twitter. They're okay. Yeah. Some things I read, well, well, yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, what now? So I don't know how you, I have no idea. Well, I think you're absolutely right in terms of yeah. bots yeah. scanning verbiage. Just they the way do. to look for terrorists and chatter. Well, but And they do because if I write a code and I say, look for doot, 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 doot. It can, it can do what I can do in a year in like a minute, right? Probably. Mm. Scanning. So we need that. But it's there's a lot of scanning. Yeah, and there's a lot of crazy stuff being propagated everywhere. And I'll bet it's auto. I'll bet it's auto? even. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about auto. <laughs> the bot, the computer reports to another computer and said, "We found these words. Um, I support Joe Rogan, whatever it is, you know, whatever, or or whatever this stuff is. Yeah. yeah, there there is another side to 
vaccine mandates mandated by the government. It sees that. One computer talks to another computer. That computer talks to a vacuum cleaner, which talks to another computer. And I have talked to the vacuum cleaner. Have you? My, my cat's afraid of the vacuum cleaner. And the way it goes, vroom, vroom, vroom. Great song if you ever find that one. So, um, and, and then suddenly, without even a human necessarily involved, it flags it. It says, just to be on the safe side, since we're in a global pandemic, we're going to take your show down. Because so you're... No, just that episode. Oh, okay. Just that, just that. But, you know, maybe they'll, they'll start scanning all my episodes and they'll find something that, uh, boy, here, here, here's one for you. Boy, you know, if I were a lot younger and it was many, many years ago, I would have fucked Anne Frank. I would have just bent that bitch over and fucked her like crazy. Okay, YouTube, take it down. Come at me. Right? So, but, but seriously, it's, it's like, but, but hey, Bob, scan Anne Frank. Maybe I'll throw in the word Holocaust so it finds them together, right? Holocaust, Anne Frank offensive. You're gone. Um, but seriously, well, no, I am being very, I'm being <laughs> angry, serious. I wrote back to them, uh, not angry, serious XM, just angry, angry, serious at, at uh, YouTube. And I wrote back to them, didn't curse, amazingly enough, but in, like, capital letters. I mean, maybe if you listened to the show and, and actually understood the subtlety of arguments and nuance and, and, uh, and the fact, and, and I almost hedged, I always I do this, I hedge my bets. I said, by the way, I'm vaxxed, I believe in vaccinated. I shouldn't even have to say that shit. I shouldn't even have to prove that I'm on their side first well, and like, playing devil's advocate. It's like everything, there should, like... In every in every aspect of my life, with every action you have a reaction. So you can say there should be a place like if I remember somebody on Facebook got whatever they said the person was naughty and they got you know whatever they got thrown in Facebook jail. Yeah. But there's a way you can say, hey, it's not really this case. Like there should be a way that you could respond to it and say, in it like you did not in a, just say like you know I think this has been misread. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. There needs to be that loop. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what part of that episode from two weeks ago they chose or picked. Obviously, we've been talking about vaccinations and stuff. So, so I don't know where it was or what it was. They don't tell you this particular thing is offensive. You know, then it's probably a lot easier when people are flagged for three or five minute posts. My shows are three and a half hours, right? Um, but you know, to get that. And and to that to that feeling, and you know, I'm a very defensive person, and I feel like, and as an artist, as a creative person, as a person who's who's on here trying to be funny and a little bit dark and push some envelopes, that is the, the that's the blowback. That that just is like a it's a smack. You see something like you your your show has been what the fuck who the fuck are you? You know. But that's just the rage against the machine we all have. Yeah. Well, can you actually can you do me one quick favor? Can you check if I think Google owns YouTube. Are they public or private companies? Because if they're a private company, still, YouTube and, and uh, I keep wanting to say Facebook, and, and I think Google owns YouTube and, and so forth, they kind of have, it's their lawn. They can say, hey, yes, I don't yes. want, it's private? It's, lift, it's public. It's it's public. Google is a public listed company in the U.S. Mm-hmm. In 2004, it became a public company. YouTube. And Google, they, they are public. No, I didn't. I didn't do uh, YouTube. Oh, see, see YouTube. I think Google owns YouTube. I, I may be wrong about that. No, no, please, please. Of course, yeah, yeah. I'd just be curious. 
I should have looked this uh, week. YouTube is not publicly traded. However, it's owned by Alphabet. Uh, I don't know what the... An Alphabet is... And Alphabet also owns Google. Right. And Google's publicly traded. So YouTube is not publicly traded, but Google is. Right, so its and owner owns, owns all... Yeah. yeah. It's like a... Yeah, this is... This is <laughs> everybody owns everything, but it's all really owned by one company at the top. So I don't know. Uh, can a public company hold a private company? Right, but I'm saying, well, in other words, if you're public overall, can one of your subsidiaries, can one of the things that you have stay private? So, so maybe if YouTube really is actually a privately held firm, except no, it's owned by Alphabet, um, then they're right, perhaps, to say we like this. We like certainly you won't find porn. On you, I've looked, but you know, you won't find porn, and they can be allowed to say, and this crosses the line, you know, uh, I, I want to post this art film. Well, it's got naked people in it. Is it art or pornography? YouTube gets to make the call, and they've got to protect their viewership. I don't, I really don't know the algorithms and rhythms on that and how that all works, even though for many years I followed the algorithm method of, uh, of birth control. But seriously, again, if you watch this show, Right, and I do have a lot of people who watch every week or or sporadically tune into the show. They want to see what I'm up to on Saturday mornings. They like me yapping. They like the trivia quiz. Huh? So you know what I talk about. You know where I go and where I don't go, and when I push the envelope, and when I'm joking, and when I'm half joking, and when I'm looking at a couple of different sides, and that I'm not completely left wing. I'm certainly not far right wing. I'm 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 generally left of center, occasionally slightly center right. That's where I am. You know where I am. You know that I, I have a, um, I'm vociferous, I'm vocal, I'm verbal, and that I will sometimes, you know, test the waters, Anne Frank, and, and see, you know, how far, what can I say? How far can I go? Right? I, and then pull back and then try and make an overall comment that is overall intelligent and reasonable and rational for normal people, which even if I was going a little far afield to see Joe Rogan's side of the vaccine debate, I'm, I'm sure I was. Michael, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Says, hey, Dave. Hey, Michael. Mm. If anybody wants to chime in on this. If, oh, if, since they wrote Alphabet is public. Alphabet is public. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm doing Google is public. Yeah, actually, if you can monitor. And, and folks, if you folks are watching right now and people are going to be part of our our chat with Rabbi Saul in just a little while from the Frigid Festival. If you want to type in your thoughts on not just whether Joe Rogan's right or wrong, but feel free, but about whether I have the right to do this non-pornographic, except for the Anne Frank thing, uh, program <laughs> on YouTube, to, uh, to, to post it on the YouTube channel. I'm also trying to remember if that was the one week where we tried broadcasting live, both on YouTube and on Facebook, when we ran feeds simultaneously. Um, uh oh. Uh-oh. What? Vicky said she knows who turned you in. <laughs> she said it was Mr. Potato who turned you in. He got grilled, and now he's going to keep his eyes peeled. Oh, aren't we funny? <laughs> <laughs> Late night catechism. Yeah, right. Okay, okay. That potato was. 
Pritango usually loves Pritango puns, but uh, that was uh, and first of all, Pritango, did did you was it you was it you who turned me into the YouTube police? Was it you who who got the YouTube Stasi on my case? You know, their bots listening to my show and saying this man does not deserve or or or, or this man is saying things that could cause the downfall and destruction of America and and people to die because something Dave said contradicted the contradictory information coming out of the CDC about the pandemic and about vaccines. Potato, did did you put me in that position? <laughs> April Fool! Potato, it's not even April. Oh, yeah. He can't read calendars. Yeah. Um, Is it April? He asked me. He, oh, he he asked you last week whether it was April. I was wondering what that was about. So you're the you're the snitch, you're the fink. The only good part of this is if it wasn't a bot, if this was a real actual YouTube, um, you know, drone, a hack, a guy or woman, somebody sitting there with earphones all day, looking where's inappropriate. Let's monitor. Let's make sure YouTube doesn't um, cause more. COVID deaths, you know, we have to, and, and then I have another listener, <laughs> someone who's listening even more carefully than the people who tune in on Saturdays, they're, they're half asleep, they're making, you know, smearing butter on a bagel, they say, wow, what is this idiot talking about today? Yeah. No, here's somebody who's got the headphones on, here's like dog whistle words, vaccine, Rogan, mandate, Holocaust, and Frank fist fucking, oh my God, you know, gotta, gotta take this down. Let's send this one up the chain. I don't even, I don't know who owns Alphabet, I literally, or or who owns or runs any of these things. These <laughs> are one, two, three. But all I can say, and feel free to take this down YouTube because I got my own website, davesgoneby.com, where all my archives are. And by the way, that's non-commercial. It's free. You can surf it anytime. All my interviews on the program, all the um. The guests that we've had, all the comedy that we've done, the music back in the day. It's all there for free. Davesgoneby.com. You can either stream or download. Um, you know, So if you don't feel like uh, putting content, you know, pulling from the web onto your machine, I get that. You can just hit click and it'll play and stream without it actually going into your computer. But either way, all the shows we've done, just about, you can go and listen to the show that, that got blanked two weeks ago from YouTube at davesgoneby.com. You can also listen. We haven't been um, censored in any way on archive.org because this is a censorship thing. And I and believe me, believe me, first, the second thing that occurred to me when I got that message from YouTube after wanting to write back and flame them and say horrible thing about their, things about their parents and children was to also, you know, find a lawyer and say, you know, there, there's people... And this is this is Dave thinking. There's people who sue over stuff like this, and it goes through the courts, and they drag it through, and it's it's you get liberal left wing lawyers who will do it for free. You know, you, you file a fifty dollar claim, and then they they take it on pro bono. Go to the ACLU or something. Or do a yeah, and do a class action because it's a meaningful thing. And who knows? I could end up. First of all, I could end up famous even if I don't win. Suddenly, well, you know, you got that famous Dave's gone by case where he took it all the way to the Supreme Court, which is 6-3 Republican fuck. But you know, he took it all the way up there. And yeah, they struck it down. They said due to... Yeah, because... They're, they're, they're doing some construction work next door. 
Um, you know, this, this guy, he's got the show. YouTube does have the right to say what is or isn't on its platform. If they want to take something down, even for no good reason, it's their call. He loses. But then I'm in the newspapers. And suddenly I go from having several thousand listeners to, to tens of thousands of people. <laughs> what, what is this guy going to say now? You know, what's he going to go after next? Ooh. Oh, you're so crazy. Oh. And by the way, YouTube, I know I mentioned Anne Frank, the Holocaust wasn't real. I hope you realize that. I hope only only a couple of Jews died, you know. And they they died of COVID. Yeah. I mean, COVID started back in the 1930s. Yeah, there was no, no concentration camps. There was CGI. <laughs> Find that, YouTube. I hope, I hope they take this episode down. Why? And then I will literally call a lawyer. They, and what? Where are you going to get money? They're not going to take your case. Why wouldn't they? If William Kunstler was still alive. He, uh, uh, you can't have a dead lawyer. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> Those are the only good lawyers. I don't know a lot about legal, I don't know a lot about legal stuff, but I don't think a dead lawyer is. But I think it's a fair, I, I really think I have a fair case of saying, you know, I'm allowed to say what I say. I'm not causing a public health nuisance by at least examining <clears throat> the ideas on both sides and weighing them, and especially since I ultimately do calm down on everybody should get the vaccine. Everybody! Right? You know, but if you're going to argue something like that and you want a class action suit, you have to get people who, you're going to have to be in bed with strange bedfellows. Uh, I did you're, that in my 20s. What do you mean? <laughs> you're going to have a lot of disparate people who right. feel marginalized or offended by the policy. Oh, who yeah. may not, who may Oh, no, I'll, I'll be on there with, with Zengbach. And... Yes, exactly. <laughs> Remember the guy who danced in the garbage bag? Yes, yeah, yeah. all the public access people, yeah, yeah. Zabby, yeah. will be right in my corner. And God bless her, Zabby should be in my corner. <laughs> you know? Who else is it? Oh, it'll be... Glendora, uh, Glendora. Glendora, I was looking for that name. Yeah, it, it's, it's Lefkowitz, Glendora, Zabby versus, versus Alphabet. I don't think that's their real name. Really? Zabby, no. I think Zabby, Zabby's somewhere in her life. A, a cribbing of some sort of her last name or something like that. Lefkowitz is my last name. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. I host and produce this program. Dave's gone by. I was telling you that all our archives are at Dave's... What's the matter? No, I'm just reading. All our archives are at davesgoneby.com and archive. As far as you know. <laughs> no, I monitor that. I'm very freaking careful to make sure all our shows and all our interviews are at davesgoneby.com. We've also been, and um, I can't believe we didn't do this, but we've been going and doing Rabbi Saul Solomon's rabbinical reflections, his mini sermons, which we never really separated out from the show. And we've been, been adding those. Oh, please, yeah. And then a uh, hot tea when you get a, oh, a yeah, chance yeah, on it when you're back. Um, it. Let me get that going now. Oh, yeah, por favor. Oh, here's the, here's the bad one. No, because you start at 10, right? Yeah. Oh, I don't want to damage my, my coffee. Oh, fair enough. Well, Joyce and I have this long-standing uh, thing where she'll only drink Poland Spring, and me, I'll just you know take a swig out of the toilet. No, because what? of my health condition, yeah. I can't have any additives. Yeah, but I can. So I'm like, we have we have water that I bought months yeah, so ago. You cannot, Nestle. You cannot use these from the bad water. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just saying, you know, me. Uh, if if there's a puddle on the ground, like a bird has just stepped out of. Your, uh, well, we got the internet in like 10 minutes, so I'll take the tea now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
because already we have two guests who are waiting very patiently to come on at 10 o'clock. And, and they are from the Frigid New York Festival. Um, well, I'll, I'll let Rabbi Sal. He's going to come on in a little bit. He'll tell you about that. But uh, what else do I want to mention? You can find our programs also uncensored, but audio only at castbox.fm. <laughs> That's a cast bot. If you have any play, no, it's cast box. And it's funny, as you said yeah. that in Twitter, um, academic bot forwarded my really my my writing group request. Yeah, I was like, whoa. So I got botted by an academic She got, bot. well, you got botted last night too, but we won't talk about that. Um, Castbox.fm is for podcasters, podcasts only. So if you only care about the audio and you don't want to look at this face for three hours, and I don't blame you, and look, my eyebrow is, is sheer again. But if you're in a car, you can't do it. It's impossible to... Well, no, if you put your phone into the car, and you no, go... Yeah, can... No, no, but you can't watch it. No, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, I'm yes. saying. You can, yeah. you can, you know... You can, uh, you're in a car. You can um, choose the audio, but... Maybe you're, you're on a treadmill somewhere. You don't want to have the visual thing. You can just go to CastBox, download our audio, and listen to it as a podcast. Every show we've ever done. CastBox.fm. Plus, what else? I was going to say, as I usually do, and we have a YouTube channel. Dave's gone by, but as you can see, I'm not really into promoting that aspect this week. I hate you know me. I hate the player and the game. I hate the player. I hate the game. I hate the box. I hate the wrapping paper. I hate the store. I hate the street the store is on. I hate all the people living on the street that the store is on. I hate the God that made the people that made the... You taught me to hate. That was yeah. her name. When I met my wife, Joyce, she was a very sweet person. <laughs> she liked people. She was very social. Um, she saw the good in everybody. I still leave from an empathetic heart. She, she's empathetic, but now she understands hate. As a Jew, a proud Jew, I taught her hatred. <laughs> now... <clears throat> She's more vicious about things than I am. She is like, uh, you know, and she has, for for health reasons, has absented herself from society in a, in a, in a way for like the past two years. I want to live. Whereas I'm out there, you know, I'm dealing with people and she's not. Yeah. And I have to, you know, I have to deal with all these people I hate. You know, people online in the supermarket. Oh, God, you know, why you... Like I let him get in front of me. He's got more packages. God damn it. <laughs> He's got more packages. <laughs> He's one of the posts I had. Well, you know, you have that moment in the supermarket where you're both getting there at almost the same time. And if you're a decent person, you suddenly slow down. You let the other person go first. But it's like, it's in the morning. I'm already running late for work. And it's like, oh, son of a bitch. And then now, now he's going to box up all his stuff. Uh, That's life in Would have been on time except for him. Uh, That's life in a big city, baby. It is. It is. One thing I want to tell you about the uh, fella that we've got coming in in just five minutes. Rabbi Saul Solomon will be talking to all the frigid festival people. And speaking of theater, I want to let you know that this coming Monday, Valentine's Day, right? Rabbi Saul will be busy in the evening from 6 p.m. until... Oh, thank you ever so much. Yeah, just, just dump it on there. Thank you. It's very hot. Do you want something? Oh, you're very hot. Look at you. Do you want something to... I don't know. No, no, I, I, I like it. It's going to coat my... Uh, Actually, that's for the rabbi. Really, it's not for me. I'll have a tea for myself. What? Michael said, despite all his efforts, he got COVID in the supermarket. There you go. There you go. That happens. See? He got COVID in the supermarket. 
Um, I, don't know, I don't know how close we're getting to the fellow shoppers there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's reaching for the tomatoes. No, and on the sale. that was Instacart. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I I got my COVID fresh and direct. You know, so. That's right, um, from the <laughs> but literally before I, I we bring Rabbi Saul in to interview these folks from the frigid New York festival that is going to be happening from thank you dear february 16th to march 6th she found that out um you can see rabbi saul taking part this is exciting live in an open mic what where's rabbi saul oh could you open it up there it's over by on the floor um this valentine's day this monday night i believe it's from 6 to 7 30 p.m Live for free. Are they? St- they're streaming too. Streaming that? free. It'll be on Facebook on the Facebook of Gingold Theatrical Group. Gingold. I think. It, I think that theater company was started by like the son or grandson of Hermione Gingold or someone who just loved Hermione. Gingold. Something about Gingold. Anyway, they have <clears throat> or they're doing an open mic night about love and Valentine's Day things, and you you're invited to do a song. Or a poem, or a snatch of a monologue, or a monologue about a snatch. <laughs> Listen to that, YouTube. So, whatever you want to do. And they're going to have some famous people doing it there. You know, they're taking like up to three minutes. Well, Rabbi Saul saw an opportunity, and as he tends to, he stepped in it. So, Saul. He's a man who knows he has no boundaries and no filter. Zero boundaries, zero filter. So, Rabbi Saul's going to take a couple of minutes. Has, I think yeah. he has some frontal lobe damage. <laughs> He doesn't have a frontal lobe anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And besides, it's Valentine's Day. It's all about sex and lobe. That's terrible. But Rabbi Saul is going to share some classic Jewish love poems. Yeah. On the Gingold Theatrical Group. Valentine's Smash or Bash, I think they're calling it. It's an open mic thing. I think think they still may be even taking uh, volunteers want to take part. You get three minutes. It's live. It'll be through Zoom, but broadcast live on Facebook, just like this show is. Monday night, 6 to 7.30, Gingold Theatrical Group with Rabbi Saul. You know, you just, just sign up. You're going to know it's free. Going to watch it. And, and Rabbi Saul doing classic Jewish love poems. Yeah. You do not want to miss it. Now, we don't want to miss Rabbi Saul, who's here right now. I'm going to share my screen so that I can, um, I'll just do the desktop thing here, share that. Because while I bring Rabbi Saul in, let's see a little bit about one of, that's me, that's me talking. Let me lower that. Let me take my mail down. Let me take my Zoom thing down. Let me take the, the this is the, the die that I'll be rolling later. That's kind of fun. There's an email, I see that. Yeah. But let's just do, um, how about this? Here's Keith Alessi, who's going to be joining us momentarily in the neighborhood. Come on. Can we open that up? This is a promo for the show that he is doing at the Frigid Festival uh, this week into March 6th. It's called Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, But Banjos Saved My Life. Hi, I'm Keith, and I'm a recovering executive. There's just something about the banjo. 
I wanted to learn how to play that three-finger style that Earl Scruggs played, and I ran out, I get my first inexpensive banjo. The banjo player will play for a dollar. We'll stop for five. <laughs> Monday morning, I walked into my office in Edmonton, and I quit that CEO job to go all in on my banjo dreams. Thirteen days later, I was told I had a 50% chance of living a year. If I can just get through what's right there in my windshield, I can get through this situation eventually. is my story about my journey down the road, every word of it true, and how the pursuit of a passion took me to a place I could have never imagined. Some of it you learn the hard way. Some of it you read on a page. Some of it you learn from heartbreak. Most of it you learn with age. Shalom, my friends. Shalom, my enemies. That was one of the very talented artists who will be performing and creating work in the 2022 Frigid Festival that is happening off-off Broadway at the Crane Theater in New York. It's not Crane like the buried. It's K-R-A-I-N-E, all the way over on East 4th Street. It's near the uh, New York Theater Workshop. It's near like a drug addict. It's a great, great town. We have with us several of the people who are taking part in this frigid festival, including the man we just saw, Keith Alessi, whose show is called Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, but Banjo Saved My Life. We also have, I don't know the configuration. He's on my upper left. I have no idea how they're configured on your screen, but I'll just kind of do a clockwise thing. We have the, the, the lady there. The lady is Julia Vanderbeen. Hello, waving. Yes, she's the only one. I was going to say the only, no, there's two without facial hair, one with anyway. Live Italians. Um, oh, and by the way, everybody, I'm going to need you to unmute your computers because you're all uh, automatically muted. But Julia Vanderbeen is in a show called My Grandmother's Eye Patch. She's going to tell us about that. We also have, let's see, where's, where's Grant Bowen with a public-private prayer. Is that public or pubic? No, it's public-private prayer. We're going to talk about that as well. We also have a right... <laughs> Mike Lemmy, who created Bathroom of a Bar on Bleecker. Wait, Mike. There, there, there you go. Thank you. Uh, he's not in it, but he wrote it. And then finally, we have Brian, and last, certainly, but not least, Brian Schiller, who has a, a solo show called... No, it's least. It's least. I'm going to say what that? <laughs> he's... No, it's least. It's least. We don't oh, know that yet. Yeah. Well, you must be Jewish then. But it's Mike <laughs> Lemmy uh, and, and Brian Schiller, three funerals and a chimp. Dave's the producer of the show. His wife has asked, do you have to have a beard to be in the group? Eventually, like soon, Julia and Brian will have beards by the end of the Frigid Festival. That's what it does to you. So shalom to all of you. Welcome to the neighborhood. Thank you for joining us. So are you good? We'll ask some questions directly and some randomly, but... How are you feeling? How do you all feel ready and pumped 
to start doing theater again, doing theater live in New York this week. Just go, anybody. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been waiting for this moment for the past like two years now. <laughs> to because I mean I've done my fair share of shows on Zoom and everything. Um, and no disrespect to anyone I worked with on those shows, but it's there's nothing like actually being in the space with an audience again and being able to feel, you know, share that energy in real time and everything. No, I'm very much looking forward to this. Now your play, and I'm, I'm so glad you, you chimed in first because as a, a you know, Presbyterian person, I'm like here. <laughs> no, but your show has to do with religion and things and talking to Hashem, talking to God. So here's the deal. It's called uh, public private prayer. Please tell us quickly what is the, the show is about. Okay, so a public-private prayer. Um, it's it's the the premise is that I've I I show up and I start having this. Oh, kind of show one, this, this yeah, yeah I'm here. It's 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 one where I'm present and I start having a, a one-sided conversation with God, where I admit that I don't know if I really believe in God anymore, and that leads me into sharing a lot of my personal stories from my childhood. I'm from Alabama. I was raised in a large church about how I was raised within that faith and I had all of these moments of doubt going into my adulthood. And then ultimately what you find out is that, sure, it's about religion, but it's not really about religion. It's about family. It's about mental health. It's about figuring out who you are. It's it's trying to talk right. about a lot. So what did you figure out about yourself? Who are you, Grant Bowen? What, what did you actually find out talking to God or him maybe? Did he talk back to you? Because he yells at me a lot. Uh, you know, he leaves me on red a lot, but uh, what happens is that you ultimately, uh, I mean, I find that the things I used, I was, I, I used to think my self-worth was based on were not what they were. Ooh. So what were um, they and what are they now? Um, you know, you, it's a lot of my youth was spent, you know, and I get Mom, dad, if you're watching, mom, dad, if you're watching, uh, it's like, you know, I felt like I had to really kind of fit in with my environment. I had to take a lot of things very seriously. Um, but as I got older, I realized that, you know, some things are like, you know, a, a square peg in a round hole and, you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's about, you know, you find out you're, you're, there's more to you than you think there is. I'm not sure. I'm I'm still undecided. Both gotcha. of you and me. I really I'm laughing. Also with us is Mike Lemmy. By the way, am I am I pronouncing that right? Is it? Lemmy? Yes, Rabbi, you are. Yes, 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 yes. Shalom, Mike Lemmy. Shalom. A bathroom of a bar on Bleecker, which you are a performer. You did not choose to perform in this. Was there a particular reason aside from Emil Ferzola probably being a really good actor? That is that is one hundred percent the reason. I am not a good actor, so I need a good actor for this show, and uh, I also need to sell some tickets. So let's let's make that happen, Rabbi. Can we do that? Uh, what What do you think I'm here? Well, actually, I'm here. That's what I'm talking movie. about. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the premise of this. This has to do with like a, a podcast that has gotten really, really popular, and now they're yes. going to end it. Why? And what What is the story of the show? The story of the show with it is the the last episode of America's number one comedy podcast that records in the bathroom of a bar on Bleecker Street. And uh, you got to come to see the show to find out why the show has to end. It is very topical. It is um, 
if you like podcasts, you're going to like the show. If you hate podcasts, you're going to like the show. And uh, <laughs> Emil is an incredible actor. I originally wanted Denzel Washington to be in the show, but uh, Emil got the role anyway. So I wanted Den- Denzel Washington to do this right now, but uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, no sometimes my goals is a stalker <laughs> sort of issue thing. But let me ask you: I've, I've got to stay with you, Mike Lemmy, because I'm yes. a little you. You say you're not a good actor, but you are a comedian. You've, you've done comedy stand-up and stuff, and you were an intern. I find this amazing for both Conan O'Brien and Jimmy Fallon for their for their shows. Yes. Did yes. that did that give you a leg up? Did you think, oh, I'm walking through the halls of NBC or whatever? At some point, they're going to notice me. They're going to give me my late night show. What really happened? What is it really like? It was a great experience. I made some of the best friends of my life during those internships, but they didn't lead to like a lot of career opportunities, but it did give me a lot of, um, when I entered for Jimmy Fallon, it was my first time in New York City, and I realized that, oh, people can live in New York, can do things in New York City, you can have a career. Like, I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts where like, I didn't know you could like leave that town until I interned for, for Fallon and, and then Conan in LA. So it's just like, those internships made me realize there was a world outside of like my hometown where I could actually achieve like the, or chase the dreams that I have. Well, t- tell us an amusing or a disgusting story about either Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Fallon. Any, any stories, any, any traits, issues? Secrets? They're both very cool. Surprisingly, they're both, both very cool and nice people. Like I was just, I was afraid to talk to them. Anytime I would say hi to Conan, it was like the best day of my life. I would just say, Hey, how's it going? He'd say, good. I'm like, this is amazing. This is the no, coolest Letterman, thing of all time. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I was so like, they're well, like the funniest people. There, I'm not sure who, but somebody has is like feedbacking on their their audio thing. I'm not sure if it's you or um, Mike. Say something. Hey, hello. Hey, buy tickets to my show. That much better. All right. Uh, well, thank you. We returned to turn down the thing, but I'm, I'm sorry. You were, what were you saying? I didn't mean to. But it was just getting annoying with the, the back and forth. Yeah, like, it was just God, essentially. Yeah, it was just an incredible experience, you know, just um, just being able to walk in the same hallway as them and like just be around all the writers and producers and seeing a show like that happen. Getting to see the Roots perform live every day was amazing. Like that was it was just such an incredible experience. Well, Mike Lemmy, you are joining us as his grand bone. We've talked to the both of you. Let's talk to more people and let's talk about something fun like uh, death. Let's talk about death, because we have a person who is is really, uh, the show, in a comical way, I hope, is rather death-obsessed, one of the great titles of all time, Three Funerals and a Chimp, which is is by Brian Schiller. Brian is with us. Brian, shalom to you. And, and so tell us about, literally, in your life. Shalom to you, obsession. Rabbi. Yeah, Three Funerals, tell us. Thank you for being here this morning. Uh, um, and- I think missing Temple for this. Aren't you supposed to be in Temple this morning? I, yes. I did it earlier <laughs> in the morning. I like to do my sermons when nobody's there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. But tell us about Three Funerals and the Chimp. Please. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it's, a true, it's based on a true story. Um, my, um, after my mother and brother died three months apart, um, I moved down to... Um, uh, Southern Florida to become a live-in caregiver for my dad for four years before he passed away. And um, it's stand-up comedy, which is, you know, that's my voice. Hilarious! Um, like Mike. <laughs> Can you do one of the death raggles? And, uh, Are they hilarious? Or, what's funny? Where did you find the funny in any of this? 
Well, I mean, you know, you know, as someone who's involved in, in theater and comedy, you, you know how closely connected the, the tragedy and the, the humor is. Um, and uh, so, I mean, it was actually quite easy. Um, uh, I think that people who watch it will, um, will come away uh, with it resonating with them. I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot in there that people will recognize um, uh, from in their own lives. Let me, let me ask you a question. Um, and, when we're, when we're writing- you know, it's a life, it's actually, a, it's actually a very life affirming story. And, uh, you know, and it's about really um, the importance of caregiving. Um, and, you know, I was not really uh, a, I didn't think that I had that sort of thing in me. Um, But, you know, and I came away um, from that experience thinking that, you know, I had really done something worthwhile and, um, you know, really helped my father. Can you hear me? Hello. I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah, sure. When you were writing the show and when you finished writing the show. Yeah. I asked this of a lot of artists. Was it cathartic? I mean, did you get through it because it was a personal story? It's about your passing of these these relatives of yours. Do, was it, or you know, and we like to think, oh, we got it out of my system. I wrote the jokes. I wrote the show. Oh, I feel better about things. Or was it just like writing another play? No, yeah. I mean, it's it. There's it, there definitely was an element of catharsis in it, um, and um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think the the real catharsis came for me <laughs> after uh, I went into therapy uh, following the grief therapy following the the deaths of my father, uh, or the, the death of my father because I had put that off um, until he had died. So like I didn't do anything uh, to you know after my mother and brother had passed away. Um, so like just all of this grief came, you know, pouring out. Um, but, uh, and, you know, I found therapy to be very soothing, but the, the writing process was also very soothing. And, um, I, I knew instantly that it was going to be a winner if I just, if I just wrote it well. And, uh, because it, it is a unique story, uh, for stand up. Um, and, it's uh, a, a really worthwhile message. Um, well, people die. This, you know that that would be that. That's a good. No, that well, we have to remember. Well, you haven't. I, you're not listening. You haven't been listening to anything I said. The message is really about the, you know, becoming a caregiver. Um, you know, spending that time with whoever it is in your life, and uh, you know, doing that for them. Um, you know, I found in my case. Um, not only did my dad need it, but I also needed it as well. Um, you know, someone to love and care for and be with. Um, and I I was very fortunate in uh, some respects because I I was able to do it. Not everyone, uh, is at a point in their life where they could do it. I just, I was not working at the time. And, uh, you're an actor. Um, you don't even have to say that. Of course you weren't working. You're an actor. But 
I want to also move on because because uh, we have other people who have wonder well, sure, sure, sure. involved in the frigid New York City 2022 festival, including the lovely and the talented Julia Vanderveen, who is talking about not just her grandmother, but her, her grandmother's eye patch, but in a, a kind of a zany, almost um, glimpses, not narrative form. Is it sort of? Well, tell us about your show. It's called My Grandmother's Eye Patch. Yeah, actually, when you introduced Brian's show, I wasn't sure if you were talking about mine because it, mine is a memorial service to my grandmother. Um, <laughs> Hilarious, yes. In which I play different characters and also play, also, this is a little bit of a, um, I hope this doesn't ruin the play for you. I know you're all going to come, but um, she actually comes back from the dead in the show. So that's just a little, a little teaser just to get you excited. Um, it is a physical comedy show. Yeah. Meaning that for me, what that means is I do play in my body a lot. So I do make some jokes, but it's very physical. Um, and there's no fourth wall. So I'm doing a lot of playing with the audience, interacting with the audience, um, which I'm, I did my tech on Thursday and just to be in the space, I mean, I, I'm so excited just to be in the space. And then I've been rehearsing with my director on Zoom. So we went back to Zoom yesterday and it was like, oh man. I mean, it's just kind of a bummer after like actually being in a live theater. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, if it weren't COVID times, I would definitely have someone at a certain time up on stage with me, which is not possible, but we're still definitely going to have the live theater experience that it will be unique, whichever show you come to based on who's oh, interesting. there. Oh, so, but let me also, you, you, your company, since you talk about physical theater and comedy and, and even dance a little bit, oh, yeah. um, you have a company called Clowns Can Dance, uh, but should they? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I find that rather bothersome. I don't have a company called Clowns Can Dance. Is that? Oh, oh, there must be another Julia Vanderveen. <laughs> or I guess they can't. No. I don't know. I mean, I'm for clowns dancing. I'm for clowns. <laughs> I'm for dance. Right, if, yes. If, what? She has, what? if she has my name, then like, I, maybe we should team up. I'm not sure. But like, I'm for it. I'm for all of it. So it's it's all good. Yeah. Let's not get too controversial on the clown issues here. It's the- oh, certainly. But, but should clowns be vaccinated? This is this well. Thing. What I didn't—that's <laughs> why I chose to say it's a physical comedy show instead of a clown show because it, to me, those are the same thing. But I'm not going to be wearing clown makeup and stuff like that. Oh, I hope. Oh, I hope the hell not. No. Don't be scared, Grant. Come on, come on in. Come on in. Uh, you you got to earn my trust. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's all on the table. Ask me anything. Not afraid. <laughs> Well, we have more questions to ask Julia and Grant and Mike and also Brian, but let us also talk, of course, to the man whose whose show is called Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, but Banjo saved my... Oh, one sec, yes. By the way, we we have on our Facebook feed, we're also sending links to all your different shows so people can buy tickets to see these productions at the Frigid NYC Festival at the... Are you all at the Crane or one of you two at a different... You're all... I'm at the Crane. I did... Okay. Uh, I'm at the Under uh, St. Mark. Under St. Mark's of Florida. Okay, that's the other one. So, So you have to check which theater you're at. They're very close to each other, but still, you want to be, you know, you want to be in the right theater obviously and if you will be you will be in the right theater if you go to see 
Tomatoes tried to kill me, but Banjo saved my life with Keith Alessi. Shalom to you, Keith. Tell us about tomatoes and banjos and cancer and everything else. Yeah, shalom. Uh, greetings, uh, greetings from Southwest Virginia. I, I come uh, to the stage from a very different place than these young, talented folks that we've been talking to. Uh, I was a public company CEO, and I had spent my life building a world-class banjo collection that I couldn't build. I couldn't uh, play. And the plan was I was going to get to them at some point, but life always got away. Uh, about six years ago, I woke up one morning, was told I had a year to live. So it was a cancer diagnosis. And while I was going through my treatments and recovery, I said, I'm going to learn how to play these banjos. And I threw myself into the banjos. They represented hope and life and a future. And so they're metaphorical as well as, as physical. And what ended up happening is I said, I'm going to do a show simply because I need the accountability of getting in front of other people. I'd tried to learn how to play by taking lessons and whatnot. It never stuck. So I said, well, I need an audience. And I applied to a fringe festival and I got in. So I had to write this show. It was supposed to be a one and done. And all of a sudden, and it was actually at the fringe in 2019, uh, this thing became something I had never imagined. And now I've performed it 150 times. Uh, I, I was actually able in 2021 to perform, uh, did a run in Saskatoon and another run in uh, Rosebud, Alberta. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to coming back to New York because New York's really what gave me my, my launch. Now, let me, let me ask you, though, you, you mentioned you were getting a world-class collection of banjos, which, which sounds almost like an, an oxymoron there. But, but what is like the classiest, <laughs> what is the best banjo? The, the, the one that's the, is it like the one Pete Seeger when he was two years old? With ding, 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 what, what, no, ding? I have um, kind of the Stradivarius of bluegrass banjos are pre-war Gibson master tones. Uh, they, they had a unique uh, metallurgy involved in them and they're, they're really what all the big names go after. I couldn't play it well, but I have a pre-war master tone. And my favorite uh, old-time banjo, I have a Jason Romero banjo that I actually play in the show. Uh, his stuff's in such high demand, you got to get on a five-year wait list in order for him to build you one. So uh, I'm thrilled to have that one in the collection. Because I'm a little, I, I, normally I don't master tone in public. It's not, it's, it's not a pleasant thing. But do you own any that are signed or like by famous bluegrass or banjo players do you have uh, that kind of part of a collection or are they just really well made beautiful yeah i had i am master i, I had a, a i had a ricky skaggs signed banjo and uh i've got a steve martin signed banjo you know he's quite there and yeah i've got a few of those in the collection wait so and, and i also i'm curious where do you keep i mean are they open to the public or you just have them in your basement and you're cared for in in climate controlled conditions or what? they're literally in my closet and that's the opening line to my show uh, you can tell who a person really is by looking in their closet. I had 52 banjos of mine. <laughs> well, I guess that means you're highly strung. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize. We're talking to people. You know, Julia's shaking her head. I see that. Every time I make a nice. Thank you, Julia. Thank you. Um, these are the people who are taking part, among many, many others, in the New York City Frigid Festival. It's happening at under St. Mark's and the Crane Theater, and it's happening from February 16th this week through March 6th. For more information for tickets, go to frigid, 
frigid.nyc, frigid.nyc. And also, if you look on the bottom of the Facebook that we're talking now, we've got links to all your different shows. Is anybody streaming the show? Are you all, quote unquote, only live? Is anybody also streaming? Oh, I am. We're okay. also streaming. So, yeah. so uh, one of the streaming people, what is the deal with that? You have to still pay for tickets, but you can watch from, is it live or is it pre-recorded? How is the streaming? It's, it's live and you also, it's uh, a sliding scale. So people, just like the live in-person tickets, people can pay whatever they'd like. You now, can totally, you can totally Jeffrey tube in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you want for my show, it's, you know, that's up to you. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, no, my show is being streamed. Um, I guess in more ways than one. Um, no, <laughs> sorry. I don't even know what the hell that means, but it's still funny. Dave, okay. I, I, Dave, I'm so sorry. Uh, um, not myself, yes. Um, but, but, well, let me ask you, is anybody not streaming? And then is there a reason why? Or you're, you're all, you're all making plans to both stream and be um, physically in person. Right. All of you have that option. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. You can either come to the show in person or each show will be live streamed to Vimeo. I found out. And if my understanding is right, I believe you'll have like a 24 hour window within the performance uh, to watch the video that you've streamed. So even if you can't watch it as it's happening, you'll have 24 hours afterward to access it. Well, that's great. That, 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 you can see all five shows on one night. You can just hang out. Like that, I think that, that'd be wonderful, actually. Um, when, when you guys were signing up, because you have to do months in advance to, to pay the fee, to do this, to get to get the theater, to, to be in the festival. Were, were you all on tender hooks when Omicron was happening? Did you all think, oh, the hell, you know, this is not going to happen? Did, anybody chime in? My fiance just got over uh, having COVID a second time. Um, and knock on wood, uh, I somehow avoided it, but it is still that, like, I got a lot going on here. Uh, can we, can, can we, uh, see if we can make it through this and everything? Um, it's just crazy that all of this is still going on. I want to ask you, first of all, how bad was her first round? How good or bad was her second? We both had it when she had it the first time. Right. Uh, And this was before we were vaccinated. Um, not fun. One star would not recommend. Uh, the, um, and what's crazy is she not to not to share too much. She she does she is immunocompromised. Um, so when she got it the second time, even though she was vaccinated, even though she was boosted, um, it hit her almost just as hard. Um, so it's it's something. It's kind of the proof that it's like. We, you, you still have to take this seriously. You still have to be careful. And with the safety protocols that like, I've been working with Frigid, I co-produce a monthly storytelling show there. Oh. And um, they have been taking this seriously. They are like, they're taking measures within the theater to make sure it's a safe experience as possible for everyone who's coming. Everybody has to wear a condom. This is very important. To you. Yes. Even the over your face. Oh, condoms over the face. Uh, gloves everyone no it's uh everyone will be masked uh everyone like your required show proof of vaccination they have a a a new uh air conditioning system that filters out the air in the room every 10 minutes 
Um, and it'll be 20 degrees outside. So, oh, that's going to feel so good with the air conditioning blasting on you. Oh, that'll be fun. What a rabbi, rabbi, it rabbi. is the frigid festival. So, <laughs> <laughs> Rabbi, you really, needed to, you really need to go to the Saskatoon Fringe because part of the artist pack, they literally do give you condoms. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, did, I, did, I didn't know what to make of that. But, uh, especially in the middle of COVID, I thought, yeah, you know. Casual hookups during COVID makes sense, right? Brilliant. <laughs> By the way, I want to talk to, since we're talking about applying to festivals and being and, and doing these shows, it's not as if uh, you're, you guys are all backed by you know, Livevent or something like that. I mean, you're, you're on your own steam in some ways going through these festivals. Mike Lemmy, you in particular have experience producing and and taking a show. I've written this show. I'm going to do this show. Now I want to bring it somewhere. I'm not going to wait for a producer. I'm not going to wait for Ken, what the hell, Davenport, to, to be out of four million people. I mean, it's, it's but if he wants to, hey, Ken, if you're watching, I'm, I need some help, man. I love, I love you, Ken Davenport. That was the rabbi, not me. Ken Davenport, if you're watching this, say, hey, I am available to meet whenever you're available. Yeah, I, uh, I get the emails five times a week from Ken Davenport. Like, or, do you want your show on Broadway? Yes. yes. Are you going to do it for me, Ken Davenport? No, go fuck yourself. You know what? Uh, Ken Davenport sent out a tweet about like hey is anyone interested in being producers for broadway or off-broadway shows and i looked at who replied and i made a list of the people that replied and i'm going to reach out to them <laughs> Very nice. but that's Very the nice. producing thing like i have a long history with under st mark's i did um the frigid festival in 2015 and in 2018 and i also rented out under st mark's for 15 nights i did a self-funded re- residency there in 2016 right, stop um, right there. Stop right yeah there. So, yeah. So was it GoFundMe? Was it Kickstarter? Credit card debt, baby. Credit card debt, Rabbi. I'm still paying off. Wow. I'm still paying off the credit card bills for that. But it was totally Are worth you joking it. Joking or is that real? You really? Oh, that's real. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Yeah, yeah. Why did you? I mean, what did you think you would? Because I wanted. It. It's like a because college loan. It will never be worth what you're paying for. It's totally worth it, man, because it's the mindset. It made me realize that these things are possible, that you can, to- you can do anything if you have money or credit cards, pretty much. You know, anything's <laughs> possible. And uh, doing that 15-night residency under St. Mark's showed me how to do an hour of stand-up and storytelling every single night. I turned it into a special. I released it online. Uh, I sold it for like five bucks. I had it on Amazon Prime for a little while. And that kind of that kind of motivated me to do more of these fringe festivals. I went to Edinburgh um, uh, a couple of years ago with two other comedians. I'm bringing Bathroom of a Bar and Bleaker back to Edinburgh in twenty in August. This coming August, and I'm also bringing another show called Healing Plus to Edinburgh in August. And it's all because of that that 15 night rental. You know, just kind of doing my own thing and trying to like instead of trying to get in at these comedy clubs in New York City, I'm trying to like build an audience, build a build my own shows instead of depending on all these gatekeepers. Has anybody yeah. ever done Edinburgh? Here, any, hear what you're saying, Mike. No. Thank you. Oh, Alessi, yeah. what was your Edinburgh? Was it worth Because Because the thing you hear about Edinburgh is there's 8 million shows. And if you don't stand out there flyering and, and tugging on people and say, you know, come to my show, there's, there's naked women, please come. You know, and, and then you give them the money back and they, they really complain. But what was your experience, Keith? Well, I'm, I'm going in August. I was supposed to have gone in 20. Uh, ended up doing it online there, which actually worked out pretty well because the real problem in Edinburgh was getting reviewed. And because we were online, we actually got two really good local reviews, which I hope will help us when I get there. And we got we got nominated for uh, an Oncom Award, which is uh, Off West End Theater 
platform in London will know, actually I'm performing on the 20th there at the Frigid when the award ceremony takes place, but picking up credentials is important. Um, I did primarily the Canadian fringe circuit. I'm a dual citizen and the fringe in Canada is much more vigorous uh, than it is here in the States. And you talked about how people finance these things. Obviously I came from a different place because I, I had a career, but could you write me a check? Can yeah, you fringe. Sell well, one fucking banjo. You can put me in under St. Mark's for a month. You know? Well, I donate a hundred percent of my gate to fringe and to cancer charities. We just hit a half million Canadian last run we did. Uh, but there's a thing called fringe debt in Canada. Uh, they're mostly young artists and people are carrying five and even six figures of credit card debt to, to feed their fringe habit. Mike. Uh, looking to build their. Hey, I, got a pro- I have a problem. I have a problem. You just that's need to be Canadian. It'd be fine. Well, yeah, but that's only 80 cents on the dollar. Are they expected so, to pay that back at some point or they, yeah. is there a forgiveness programming? Who, who well, no, it's on their personal. Money? It's their personal debt. It's not fringe. Fringe doesn't finance them. No, yeah, no, I no, Wow. I'm wow. about to get married. She's not going to let me get away with that. I just... <laughs> Mike, hey, hey as Ken Davenport's watching, though, Ken Davenport can help us all out, though. Ken That's Davenport, right. this is to you, man. Couple of bucks, right? But, but, Mike, I'm, I'm not going to ask the actual figure. I'm assuming it's it's four digit or five, maybe five digit. Um, for the fifteen shows, for the fifteen shows alone, it was like nine to ten thousand uh, oh. dollars because I I hired like I had different I had different musicians play every night. I hired like a publicist to help me out, um, and um, the ticket sales did not. I didn't sell enough tickets to break even, but like it, it was the experience alone was like that. Interning for Conan and interning for Jimmy Fallon were fantastic, but that fifteen night residency I did under St. Mars completely changed my whole perspective on my career so i would i would definitely do it again but this time i would have ken davenport produce it <laughs> yes, yes. or or who's Stuart lane and then Bobby anyone Bobby. anyone i don't care keith <laughs> come on online it's fine i'm broadly <laughs> i've been known to be a benefactor to other people at festival there. absolutely man yeah. i would say keith can i send you my indiegogo link <laughs> yeah just come, come pitch me you know sure sure yeah. um julia i have a question for you because yes. your your show is a little different, it seems, from a lot of the you know, plays, quote unquote, or stand up things. So when you were piecing together my grandmother's eye patch, and I guess it was tough to piece together because it got hard at this. Right. No, when, how do you know until you get it in front of humans? Like I, if I write something, if I write a, a sermon or a rabbinical reflection, or or Dave writes a play, he can kind of tell. The story's happening. The arc is happening. This is funny. This will get a laugh. This won't. But your work is so physical and performative. How do you even know when you've written something, when you've created something, this is going to work. This is the show I want to bring to people. It's a great question. And um, it's it's one reason I'm really excited about how my performances land, because I have one on the 19th, and then the next two are a week later. Um, so I'm really treating it like a living, breathing thing. I did a version of this show in 2019, um, but I worked on it a fair amount over the pandemic. It's pretty different. So there are a few things in the show where I'm like, okay, that really did work back when I did it. I did it at the Tank, and I also did it at the Hartford Fringe in Connecticut. Um, but there are a lot of new things in the show. And that, but that's where my work lies is really in the vulnerability of, is this going to work or is this not going to work? And also what's nice about it, because it is a conversation with the audience, if it doesn't work for me to have the, um, 
sensitivity to the audience to be like, okay, <laughs> maybe that wasn't your favorite thing. Let's try this. You know, that so that it's, I'm acknowledging them. They feel a part of it. Um, and audiences love that. If you can show your, your intelligence as a performer and to be like, okay, not your favorite thing. Let's try this other thing. They do. It makes everyone breathe, you know? When I was doing uh, my show off, 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 off Broadway, Shalom, damn it, and evening with me, you know, half hour for the show is, don't leave, please don't leave, please come back, come back. I would give you money if I had money. I don't have. Ask Ken Davenport. He'll give you money. I'll give you money. <laughs> I don't know why we're bashing Ken Davenport. We're talking, by the way, with frigid NYC participants and denizens. I want to. I have a question here for for a landsman. Um, by the way, how many of you? I think only Brian is is a, a Jew here. Uh, do we have any other Jews in the room? Oh, this is sad. But Brian, not only, not only are you a Yiddle, but you make that part of your persona as doing stand up. And so, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, you 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 brand yourself in some ways as a a Jewish comedian. What does that even mean? I know what it means, obviously. But what do you what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> well, you? I mean, I. I think it's a part of my persona just in general. Um, actually, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm, uh, I don't, I don't market myself as a Jewish comedian. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the, the, I only brought up the, you know, because I only brought it up because, um, you know, you're Rabbi Saul. And, it's also on uh, your website. One of the things on your website has to do with like um, something Jewish comedian that you're, you're, listing as that or, or they they mention i have a joke uh, i actually i have a joke where i say um you know growing up jewish you know it's very um people don't understand because there's a lot of pressure on you to be successful of course i'm i'm proud of myself for not succumbing to that pressure <laughs> so you're you're a failure like like me so i'm, I'm exactly I, I, should be proud but, of I, I did want to say, though, that I actually I am a stand up first and foremost, and I've, I've been a stand up for many, many years. Um, but over the past eight years, I have been involved with uh, fringe festivals. You know, I perf I have performed. Uh, I did Kansas City. I did um, I did one in Canada, the um, uh, uh, ha uh, Halifax, I think. Um, am I saying that right? Um, Do they still and make Halifax machines? I don't know. I'm never talking about that. Yes. Um, uh, which other ones have I done? I've done a, like a whole bunch. I did mini, I did mini Minnesota uh, for my first show, um, which is, was called Tell All Your Friends. And I actually, that was also uh, a very successful show for me. I, I performed it um, about 130 times um, in, across the U.S. and Canada. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the, the show, the types of shows that I'm doing now are these, you know, stand up narratives or, you know, like stand up one man shows where it's, you know, kind of, it's, it's, um, stand up, but there's this storytelling element, which makes it, you know, technically theater. Um, and, you know, there's, there are a few people that are doing them like, you know, Mike Birbiglia and, you know, Christopher Titus and Rob Becker. Half so, the people in this room are doing it. Uh, Keith is doing it. <laughs> just doing it in a way. Right. right but let me right, ask you, right. you have a story. You have a thing that I, I want to hear that you, I think you told someone, or, or again, it's on, on the site, about how two Orthodox 
Hasidic Jewish men kind of oh. turned your head around as a performer, as an artist? Tell oh, us. Oh, thank you. Oh, so you were the person who read that that blog post. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. I was. I like to. I like to street perform, um, and uh, I like to do it in Washington Square Park. Uh, and um, I had been was street performing one day. You know, it's a way for me to, um, you know, get stage time and you know figure out material and um, score some. I, was in, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, incense and whatnot. Play some chess. Um, and uh, so I was performing one day, and yeah, these two Hasidic guys came along and they tried to get me to wrap some tefillin. Um, for those of you that don't know, tefillin is like this leather, these leather straps that you, you know, um, that Orthodox Jews like to wrap around their, their mm -hmm. arms and also like on their head because it makes them feel holier. And it also, you're, it's actually like a very good deed. It's a, it's a mitzvah and it means that you're a, a like a, a good person. Um, and so they try to, as they are wont to do, this is like their, their thing, you know, get other Jews um, like myself who are sort of, you know, wayward and, um, you know, they'll, they go around asking, you know, like, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? And um, so. And they're actually, they got, they're not, they will circumcise you on the spot. So if, if you, <laughs> you express a willingness. Were, yes. But you yes. made them a deal. I, I'm going to make you a deal. What was the deal? Um, I said, yeah, you guys can, you guys can rap to fill in if you let me perform my show for you. And, uh, they thought about it and they were like, okay, sure. And I did like, you know, my whole hour and, uh, oh. then they rapped, <laughs> they, they <laughs> actually sat on benches. Um, they didn't laugh at any of the, the sex stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They turned, they actually turned their head, like, you know, when I said that, but I mean, they were very amused by the entire show. I mean, they, they listened for the entire thing, which really blew me away. And then I sat there and, you know, we completed the trade. They, they uh, wrapped some to fill in on my arm and uh, I said a prayer, a, a prayer for them, you know? So, um, just so you know, this is what we're talking about. If you've ever seen this on Jewish people, it's actually, it's the box on the head and little little strappies that go around the arm. So you can either pray to God or do heroin. They're both, really, they're, they're useful for, for both items. So, we're, I mean, it, it's good that you all kind of reach or try to reach people in a different way, even if it means making deals like that. Even if it, Now, Keith, your situation is that you are, with all due respect, you're, you're a lot closer to my age than, than some of the other people here. The Fringe Festival tends to be geared towards both performers and audiences that are half our age. How do you, I mean, does that even matter to you? Do you even think about it? Do you sort of feel like when they all gather for cocktails or, or who can afford a cocktail? And when you gather for juice before, you know, or the closing parties, do you feel a little bit like, well, I'm sort of out of this, or do you feel included? Well, I'm 68, and uh, the average fringe performer is probably 30-something. 
But I found that fringe audiences tend to be closer to my age, at least in Canada, where most of the big festivals. I think the most interesting thing about my journey has been, as you can imagine, um, my politics tend to lean a little more to the right than your average fringe performer. And I was really shunned when I first got onto the festival. No, I wasn't there on January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't I swing more to the You're right. There too, in fact, this is the first time on a podcast since that uh, Joe Rogan thing went horribly wrong for me. Uh, the, uh, but what I found is because of my background, uh, people just automatically were quick to uh, stereotype me in a way that isn't who I was. I was the first uh, CEO they'd ever met. So they would make comments to me. But I have, a, I have a, a philosophy. It's hard to dislike people you know. So, I mean, if you don't know gay people, it's really like easy to dislike them. But if you know a gay person, then all of a sudden you don't dislike gay people. Well, all of a sudden I became this ambassador for old white executives on the fringe circuit. I, I ended up, I mean, I didn't try to convert anybody. But what ended up happening, interestingly, is I started getting calls from people or, you know, instant messages and stuff and say, hey, how would you look at this topic? And I thought, this is pretty cool. We're, we're communicating because I was so unlike the people that they hung with. And there's a tendency to think the whole world thinks like you. But if, I mean, especially here in the States, half the people are one way and half are the other. If everybody you know thinks like you, you're missing out on half. So I, yeah, I, my problem is that everybody who knows me hates me. I'm, yeah, well, I'm the outlier the on that. Yeah, that's the one you're no, 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 no. that. So I've found I have found the journey to be uh, very enlightening, and uh, I would like to think I've had impact. The reason I keep doing this, um, you know, my show is a pretty personal show. It's about pursuing a passion and overcoming obstacles and whatnot. Is my audience reactions, and this is young and old. I get people just about every show coming out of the audience because everybody's been touched by cancer, either personally or, you know, in their families. And I hear so many stories and I mean, I won't go into it here, but you know, the amount of serendipity that's occurred during this journey and people who are supposed to be there were there and they heard the message. I literally had an audience of four people in the, at the Toronto fringe. One of them was a 30 something year old kid. He was a, oh, he was a kid. He was an adult, but he was a CEO of a tech company. He was facing terminal cancer and out of four people, he was there. And, you know, we got to know each other. Unfortunately, he subsequently passed, but I was able to be a part of his journey. And Way to bring the mood down, Keith. Thank yeah, you. No, no but it's, it's been inspirational in a lot of ways too. So uh, yeah, it's different being old on the circuit for sure. Are you, by the way, let me, are you cancer for, I mean, do you get checked every year or something? Are, how, how is your health? How are you? Yeah, I, I get uh, every six months and knock on wood, you know, they give you five. Uh, I was supposed to have a 15% chance of surviving five. Uh, I just passed wow. six years. But, you know, I'm I'm double vaxxed and boosted and I still got Omicron. So I figure I'm super immune as I come to New York. Wow, there you go. And I'm seriously, seriously. Have, have you, you know, one of the things is that even though most of you are, well, you're all younger than him. And, and even younger than I am and so forth. But what are struggles that you have had in your personal lives that you had to overcome to whether it be artists or just to, to get along? Does anybody want to talk about that? I mean, obviously we have the, the deaths of close relatives in, in one case. What are some others, if you, if you don't mind sharing? Huh? 
credit card debt. <laughs> we have that. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so I've been, I've been up, I've lived in New York since like 2012 and uh, really went through the highs and lows of just trying to get, trying to get the attention, trying to get noticed, trying to get your foot in the door anywhere. Um, and I think some of the biggest challenges you have is just accepting when life is going to take you another way. Like I wouldn't have guessed I'd be doing, I'd be talking about these very personal stories on stage when I moved up here. This is, I actually, I, I have told people I technically didn't want to write this show <laughs> because uh, this had been, this was like the topic that I least wanted to go on about. Um, but then I discovered storytelling. I realized that like, oh, this is something I not really feel like I'm good at, but something I, I helps me connect with people on a deeper level. And at the same time, I met, um, you know, I met my fiance and realized she's the one. And I couldn't keep going about the the starving artist taking catering shifts so that I can go to whatever auditions just to hear a bunch of no's. Um, I couldn't keep doing that anymore. So it's been the big challenge has been, OK, so how do I navigate like having a day job and who finding that stability? Job? I mean, I'm a rabbi, but who, who how many people hold up hands? Have uh, you know? Have a work benefits, health things. Just you, Grant. No, but wow. Well, Keith, you know, you can I'm Yeah. How do you guys manage? Well, you you have debt. <laughs> I know you you do. Um, well, I've I've had like a like twenty like thirty different day jobs in the past ten years. So it's all like right now I'm doing more like freelance type of work. But um, yeah, it's always just have some savings, spend the savings, you know, I had the credit cards for a while, did that, but it's just like every month is kind of different. And what about you, Julia? Are you, you didn't raise a hand. So you make a living as an artist or. No, no. Sometimes I have before. Um, I did hairspray on a Royal Caribbean ship for a year and made a great salary for, I mean, made like twice so you just three times what I make. This is, this is your whole job. You just you just went to them with cans of hairspray. Or... It was incredible. They were like, "We don't need somebody that's skilled or talented. We just need someone to spray hairspray in someone's face." And I was like, "Yeah, definitely, I could do that." Like the spritzers. I'll go the anywhere. With the perfume, yeah. Okay. No. So, oh, I yeah. Guess. Who were you in hairspray? Uh, Prudy Pingleton. Um, do you know the show? Grant is nodding. Yeah, okay. I don't remember it too well, but you're Prudy Bingleton. Okay, I get it. I, was that the Carrie Butler role? Because you have a Carrie Butler sort of a look. It's her mom, yeah. Her mom. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, um, and now, And then I've done, I've waited tables forever. I did catering. I'm trying to get out of that. I'm actually teaching at some um, Jewish schools in yes! New, in New yes! Jersey. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, don't touch the men. Do not go near them. <laughs> Well, I had a moment like that because um, we were, you know, I'm teaching them drama and we were sitting on a circle on the floor and my legs were crossed. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I just saw a look on one of the boys' faces and I was like, huh. All right. <laughs> no, no, did. Like maybe sit a different way. Yeah. Because um, it's, in a, it's an Orthodox school. Like I have to wear right. a skirt and stuff like that. So I wasn't joking. Anyway, like, don't, um, touch the, don't go near the, 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 you're unclean. 
you know, you got the blood coming out of places in you. This oh, is not something that... <laughs> right, right. And me more than most. I mean, it just is constantly. Yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? Um. Anyway. I'm trying to do teaching yeah. and stuff I love more than just um, catering and stuff. But it, it's it's stressful. I mean, every what you know what Mike was saying, like every month being different, having to rebuild things, figure out the money you need to make. I mean, it's. I'm grateful to do what I love to do, but it's, it's a constant reconfiguration of how is it going to work, you know? We have a question here from the gallery. One is, do let people, is it from work, you mean? Know that you're, know that they're in your show? Yeah. Oh, do, do, when you work on day jobs, do you say, everybody. No, 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 no. no. Well, here, here's a question. Do, yes. Do you let the people who are become characters in your show, do you let them know that they're in the oh. show before they're sitting in the audience and they're like, that's not me or that's me or, or except for the people who are dead. I know you can't tell dead people, but for the live people or people you reference, do they know when they're sitting there that they're going to be a character or portrayed in your story? Great question. Open to anyone, <laughs> please. Um, yeah, I, yeah. In my case for my show, I, um, I still haven't told uh, some relatives yet uh, that, that are in it, but um, uh, you know, it, 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 it I think they'll be okay with it. You know, it's, it's not really too critical. Um, you know, there, it's just, it's jokes, but, um, but yeah, no, that, that's definitely something that I, I thought about. Um, As anybody yeah. who's written jokes knows, they're jokes, but eh, not a hundred percent. Come on, you know. Yeah. You I know. mean, you can't, you know, uh, I've, I've ha had to do a lot of editing. I mean, you know, you can't call someone an asshole or Oh, I have. You know, and expect and expect that uh, you know they're not Kevin going Dab to Kevin Davenport's watching. He knows, but, 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 but let me. Anyway, whoa, 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 whoa! Hey, hey, hey! He's not No, he's, he's a really nice guy. But here's uh, anybody else who has done biographical stuff. Keith, you, you certainly have, and, and and Julia. Do other family members show up in Grandma's eye patch and do we say oh, mom, sister, brother, cousin, uncle? Uncle, sister, if they're Appalachian, what? Not exactly, but the way I'm portraying my grandmother is not really like my grandmother. So I've been nervous about family members seeing the show and being like, what the hell? <laughs> what the hell Actually, my parents wanted to come up for the show and I was like, um, you can watch it online. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, Julia, what, what was the Marshmallow Mystery Tour? Did I look up the wrong Julia again? Or, no, no, that's me. That's me. It's That's like um, that's a film that I think is still being edited that's about um, Betty Crocker and different characters like that. And I think it's a horror film. You know, I was oh. on the set for, for a day and I was spraying hairspray, but, you know, I, oh. I didn't get the full... What is hey? What is the weather for a Betty Crocker horror film? Frosty. <laughs> hey, sorry. I was gonna say like um, cloudy with a chance of meatballs, but gumdrops. You know, like probably raining. You know, browning mix or something. This yeah. is, um, let's see. What, what else did I want to? Well, first of all, I just want to remind everybody that that all of these people are taking part. Four of them will be physically on stage. One of them wrote a piece that is being done by another actor. But the names of the people in the shows that we've been talking to: Keith Alessi with Ben. I'm sorry, Tomatoes tried to kill me, but Banjos saved my life. Also, 
Grant Bowen with a public-private prayer, Mike Lemmy with Bathroom of a Bar on Bleecker, all these alliterations, they're killing me here, Brian Schiller with Three Funerals and a Chimp, and Julia Vanderveen with My Grandmother's Eye Patch. I wish there was a G word that rhymed, that, that it was synonym for eye patch. My Grandmother's Gagagaga. That, that would be, you know... <laughs> <laughs> so we have just a couple couple more minutes with these fine delightful folks that we've been talking to so can i ask where and again anybody who can answer this can answer this you're doing this some of you have only one or two of you have day job where do you see yourselves in 10 years what are you their mother As, <laughs> jewish mother yes they're, they're, they're in terms of pursuing your art I mean, if Ken Davenport's watching, you may pluck all of us and then put us in the Helen Hayes Theater in a couple of years. But, but more realistically, where do you see yourselves? Anybody, you know, feel free. It's like a job interview. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know I'm 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 getting married this year. Um, thank you. Um, so we're probably in ten years. I see myself with a family, and um, you know, probably finding somewhere quiet and stable to be, but I'm going to keep, I, I plan on, I keep, I want to keep writing. I want to keep doing things like this. I want to keep storytelling. Um, what that looks like, I, I haven't set into concrete terms because I'm just uh, interested in seeing where the wind blows me. So. That's right. What about Mike? Mike, I haven't heard from you in a while. Mike. Hey, um, yeah, 10 years, uh, I want to keep doing what I'm doing just on a, a higher level, you know, like I want to, I want to have more plays being put up and while also still doing stand up. So, um, you know, just keep, keep doing what I'm doing just on a larger scale. All right, Mike, I, before I get to the other people in there, there I, I forgot to ask, what is like your worst hell gig? As a stand-up comic, uh, worst, for Brian also real quick. There's yeah. a there's a couple of them. Uh, the absolute worst is um, I hosted a battle of the bands when I was like 14 or like 16. My high school battle of the bands, and I was very new to stand-up. And they asked me if I could do like 20 minutes in between each band as they set up the new equipment. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? I did the I did like a 10 minute opening monologue that bombed horribly, and then I just had to introduce the bands from the the audience from the they wouldn't let me like go back on stage after that. So they did, they just had like a montage of each band like they had they had like footage as a backup or something. So I did 10 minutes. I bombed in front of like every single person I knew and everyone that I, every single person in my high school. And I just had to introduce the bands with a microphone from the audience after from from that point on. I was like, anyway, here's Megadeth. It's- Oh my God! Now, Brian, what about you? What was your worst hell gig as a stand-up? Oh God, I have two. Uh, one was uh, at Smoky Joe's in West Philadelphia. Um, I was on stage, and uh, there was a uh, a bachelor party, and they threw like uh, they threw a banana peel up at me. They did up on the stage at me. Uh, they did not like me. And the other one was <laughs> the they other didn't one. Know you, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, they had gotten sufficient uh, uh, time to get to know me, <laughs> and they determined that they didn't like me. <laughs> um, yeah, they, you know, in, in fairness to them, they, you know, uh, they they gave me. They gave you time to know that they suitable time. <laughs> What's that? They gave you sufficient time to to develop a loathing in them. <laughs> exactly, and. Uh, it, it, I mean, you know, not too much difference between, uh, you know, 
audiences and that people that meet me um, in general. Uh, so, all right, um, then that was other, a, that's a pretty bad hell gig. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Oh gosh, uh, I'm hopefully you know I will have scored like a TV gig, um, yeah. uh, a late night gig. You know that's sort of the uh, the. You know, that's the, the, you know, what most young comedians hope for. Um, and, um, uh, and you know, because that will help you get more gigs. Um, and uh, so, well, what's that? No, I'm saying from your mouth to God's ears. I've got to wrap this up because I got exactly. one minute. So, yeah. So, that, yeah, that's basically um, Keith, Keith, tell us where do you see yourself. God willing, in ten years. Oh, hopefully, you're young hopefully, enough still. It won't be in a box. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I'll have some grandkids, and uh, you'll like this, Rabbi. After sending my daughter to Catholic school and off to the Vatican for college, she converted to Judaism last year. So, oh. so uh, I, I, I'm sorry, wow. happy for us. Well, <laughs> well, like Julia, she was working at uh, Jewish family services down in Charlotte and with the school, and you guys yeah. sucked her in. You're like a cult. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> is there more Judaism in the future? Where do you see yourself in, in uh, God yeah. in 10 years? In 10 years, I'd definitely like to be Jewish, if I can. <laughs> and then, but yeah, I want to make money, guys. I've done some commercial work, like actual commercial work. I'm Jewish. Um, yeah, I <laughs> Best line of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna can't right, you don't even have to say anymore. That I'm leaving it right there. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, everybody get tickets to the Frigid Festival 2022, frigid.nyc to see these delightful, talented people. Keith Alessi, Grant Bowen, Mike Lemmy, Brian Schiller, Julia Vanderveen. All of you, I wish you so much success. I hope you do meet Ken Davenport. I hope he throws tons of money at you. Jeffrey Richards also. I know Jeffrey Richards. Just give me a fucking dime. I hope, I hope they support you and bring you to the place you want to be in your careers and in your lives. So I'm going to okay, have you do like the dating game. Blow kisses or, or uh, something more obscene. I'm going to let you go one by one. Shalom to you and success. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Shalom. Shalom to you. Bye, guys. Oh, you can nice do meeting you all. themselves out. This is good. Sorry. You you do on your there we go. Shalom. And it's just me. But now I'm going to bring in people who are going to be talking to Dave Lefkowitz, the host, the producer of this program. What a, what, wasn't that wonderful? We guys do that more often. Rabbi, I'm Rabbi Salsal. I have some screenshots that are, I think, crazy, yeah. Yes, yes. But let, let me play one more piece of um, of people who are going to be in the oh, festival. Rabbi, that you also, um, yeah. Maria Yuval said, I gave Maria the clap. This is no, I think that, that's not how that worked. Let's hear, let's see uh, some Mike Lemmy. Where we, now, remember, he wrote the show, he's not in it. Uh, the bathroom and the bar on the screen because we're seeing yeah, it's, it's, it's I just I just said, hold on, we're gonna open that up, and then Dave will be with us for the today, yesterday quiz and more of the show. Oh, it's like a phone thing, it won't even. All right, you'll, you'll watch the phone thing. Here it is, Mike Lemmy. Hello, I wrote a new show called Bathroom of a Bar on Bleecker. It is a tragedy slash comedy about America's number one comedy podcast recording its final episode. It stars Emil Fazorla, 
It is inspired by Mark Maron, Joe Rogan, and possibly Macbeth. And we're going to start rehearsing here in my apartment tomorrow, so we got to build that set. So we got the toilet treatment on Depot, and we got some room dividers that I'm using as a closet. So I'm looking at toilets. What is this? And I still have... Wow, why would I just impersonate Rabbi Saul? You did, you did. You were yelling, too. Anytime you yell, you have the same voice. Yeah. Basically. I'm in the bathroom of a bar on Bleecker um, this November, Saturday, 7.30, New York City, in a meeting room near Penn Station, and hopefully some more shows after that. That was Mike Lemmy. I'm going to stop uh, sharing the screen there. Um, again, one of the people that we had, uh, Rabbi Sal had so much fun talking to just moments ago. Go see his show. I mean, it's about toilets. I'm, I am there. Let me admit some wonderful friends and guests oh, into God. the neighborhood. That was great. They were wonderful guests, and I, I put in the chat every, in the, in Facebook comments, I put links to everyone's show. Oh, good. Yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah uh, it was hard to find some of them. They were different, but everybody has a link in the show. Oh, their show links to the area. Fantastic. Thank you, Ben. That's my darling and adorable wife, Joyce. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. You're watching Dave's Gone By live on this Saturday, February 12th, 2022. It is our 837th show. We've been calling it Frigid Dare for all those wonderful Frigid Festival nobody, people. You know what I wanted to ask you? Yeah. Nobody talked about the Boulder Fringe. You were in Boulder Fringe. I was in Boulder Fringe. <laughs> No, I didn't. No, you always said that. I want it in New York. Oh, you want it in New York. Yeah. But I don't know why they don't talk about Boulder Fringe. Either they weren't there. I mean, there are a lot of fringes yeah, yeah, all over, and I'm maybe sure they haven't there. I was curious to see. Uh, yeah. Um, you know what you do at the Boulder Fringe? What? You get stoned. Is that, is that, <laughs> is, that, that, is, that, is that for, like, boulders that are balding, and they got a little fringe around? Oh. oh Mr. Peabody. Not just a <laughs> Dave, Dave Lefkowitz. Oh, sorry. Yes, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie's here on time. Thank you, Leslie. Nice oh, to see you. And Vicky, why why were those two cars chasing each other? Did you ever find out? No, no. But they're ninety miles an hour. I'm sure one was. I mean, who knows what it what crap happened? Look at your beautiful Valentine's Day background, Dave. In terms of the fringe, they're not publicizing it properly. It's a question of publicity. They're not publicizing it. Wait, 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 wait. I'm, I'm sorry. I was. I was um, what did you just well, say? I'm, I'm giving you some I'm, because I, I've been involved in several fringe festivals, and, and Charlie was in the Rochester Fringe Festival and the, the Solo and I Fringe was Festival. Older, and I did Midtown International in New York. Yeah. Yes, but the thing is, you have they have to be publicized. There have to be things well, that go up. They're on, they're on my show now. They're going to get thousands of people. Is that I didn't realize they were your guests today. I must have missed that part. Sorry. Yeah, they were literally just five minutes ago. We we, we wrapped up a wonderful conversation with okay. five different people doing shows at the Frigid New York Festival starting this week. All right, give me, um, David, uh, go to any of the, I know, I, you know, you're still recuperating this stuff, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe. That's See, it, but... <laughs> yeah. we'll Did you get to can... Music Man yet, Dave? What? David, did you get to Music Man yet? I'm seeing that on Tuesday. And I'm seeing it on Thursday. I'm sorry. <laughs> Whoa, did it get bad reviews? I, it got I, very, I I'm very curious. It got very mixed reviews. Mixed to bad is, is the and thing. And so I'm um, curious. I think it was because it's been built up for so long and everybody's like paying thousands of dollars. And if it's not the best thing that ever happened since sliced bread, if it's just okay, people are like, oh, it's such a letdown. 
Well, we and we shouldn't talk about it because you haven't seen right. it. I, haven't I, seen certainly, it. Yeah, yeah. I certainly have not seen it. I have not seen it, but I will. I, but maybe next week when you've when you've seen it, because I have some very strong feelings without having seen it. Mm-hmm. How's that? <laughs> you mean about the, the show itself? Because there's yes. a next stand. We'll we'll you know what um, yes. about we'll, the brouhaha and the whole thing. So we can talk about it next week. It. Yeah. Now, Vicky Quaggy will have not seen it because she's all the way in Chicago doing her own show. Well, two shows: Bible Bingo and yeah. Late Night Catechism. How are right. you, Vicky? I'm fine. I can't get my hair to. Your hair is fine. Looks... This, 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 no, know. it's not. <laughs> now it's okay. That was fine. Um, <laughs> it's all right. Leslie understands, you know, you just want oh, to. please don't, don't, yeah. go, you see, you see what I'm working with. I, it's, <laughs> I've got limp noodles today. That's uh, it. Hello? I can't do anything hello? else about it. Yeah, you know, I want my well, hair to be I've had a limp noodle for you know? 10 years, but you know, <laughs> just kidding, just yeah. teasing. Just no, but we, but we did advertise like a Valentine's Day uh, special for late night and Bible bingo. Everyone who comes gets candy, you know, it's a whole thing. So it's, it's cute. Yeah. So, and this is at the Greenhouse Theater in Chicago. David Sheward is a theater critic for theaterlife.com, culturaldaily.com. He also has a blog called The David Desk. Mm-hmm. I, I can't say the daviddesk.com because that's not how you get to it. You have to find, yeah. the, find the David Desk. And oh. Leslie O'Bang Blake is a co host. Now, have you talked to Charlie this week? Are you going to keep Critic Circle going? Yes, ours, well, we're going to keep something going. Right now, he's, we're finishing up the stuff that's in the can, so to speak. And um, I, I need two cups of coffee to do that. But yeah, I know. And Charlie just shot a brand new opening, which I really like. I'm very pleased about that. Uh, you know, it, it's updated because over the years it's had to be updated. When I first came on, you were still in the opening, you know, <laughs> and Jeff was ago. still in, and Jeff was still in the opening, and and you know, then we updated that. Yeah. And and now he's updated yet again, and it's it's really nice. It's 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 cool. I think he's done a very good job. So nice. that's what he's been working on. And then, of course, he starts work as soon as the paperwork gets finished. All right. That's we're, we're talking about Charlie yeah. Gross, our good friend. I would love to have him as part of this panel, but he's an Orthodox, modern Orthodox Jew. So Saturday mornings is verboten, um, unfortunately. He's a great guy. And he lost his job like two years ago. It was, was furiously scouting. Longer, longer ago than that, Char- uh, uh, yeah. Dave. It was before the pandemic. Wow. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Masters of, uh, a job that he'd had for 28 years. It was very unfair. Yeah. So, but if you so if long. you interview him mm-hmm. and run it on Saturday, is it still a problem? Or no, it's not. No, I, no. I've done that with a no. couple of other guests over the years. No. So you, but we have to do this segment. But um, he can, but he can't be in this segment, is yeah. is what David's saying. Yeah, because we're live. When we do this, we are live. <laughs> yeah, everybody. Charlie's Such as live is on a Saturday morning, you know. Yeah. So let's 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 play the game. It's our today yesterday quiz. Here's how it works. You guys know how it works, but I'll tell the audience for new people, people who tune in to see the frigid folks, it's a fun trivia game. Every question is worth two points. It goes to these contestants. If they get it right, they get two points. If they get it wrong, no penalty. But one of the other contestants gets to try and steal that question. And then we have a tiebreaker. David Shore's already bored. So. No, no, no. I'm sorry. That was the spontaneous <laughs> reaction. It had nothing to do with what you were okay. saying. I know. But we do have to ask, and since it's Valentine's Day, we'll go with the women. And since you're the, sort of the most recent of us still, Vicky, could you kindly pick a number between one and six and let me know what it is? Two. Vicky, with a great big smelly number two. <laughs> Leslie, what number would you like? Six, please. Leslie with the boxcar, and David Stewart. I guess three. 
David Schubert with a three. I'm going to roll the die. And remember, it the die has to land specifically on your number. New uh, rules, as, 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 as Mara would say, new rules. New rules. Oh, God. That was a four. That was a one. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> three. Okay, David Schubert, would you like to go first, second, or third? I'll go first. Oh, David Short first. I'm going to roll the die again. Luck be a lady tonight. <laughs> Luck be a lady tonight. If you've ever... Oh, Jesus Christ. This is a... Oh, Mickey, 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 yes, yes. I just uh, dialed up a number two. So I'll go second. Vicky second. Leslie, you're bringing up the rear, as it were. So what point... What, what good does it do me to get there on time? Somebody explain that to me. It makes no difference. <laughs> so we can start. Ah, so we can see you. It does no, make a what? difference. It, it, it was a joke. Look, it's I like- get to the theater. When I went to the theater, I would get to the theater basically in time to put my seat, my seat on the seat. Right. Yeah. That, to yeah. me is, that to me is on time. The curtain has not opened. Oh. It is about to. Right. I would take my dad, who's older, to the theater. And he would want to go half an hour early. And then we would sit for a half an hour in the damn seat, which is uncomfortable. And that was so I don't get it. Cell phones where you had something to look at for like half an hour. So you could stay occupied. even you know, if you well, get Or you could bring a book, you know, one of those things. Do you know, I've only read one book in, during the whole pandemic because of being my television and online and that kind of well, stuff. I read all the newspapers and all of that, but I haven't well, I've got a full library and I have not, I have read one book. I'm I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah. I mean I've got to say that last time this is not a joke, when I went to see I think it was the Lehman trilogy, the only show that I've seen in two years. Vicky <laughs> Clagney's book is Close Encounters of the of the Chicago Theater kind. Um but um I, I have to say I'm at that age I wasn't wearing glasses and it was dim in the theater and I opened up the playbill. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm not I can see the cast list, but these articles I'm gonna have to read later. Uh, do you not oh. have Do you not have reading glasses? I do, but I, I'm not going to now. I'm not going to open my bag, pull oh. out the thing, pull, and then take them off for because I need you know the distance glasses for the distances. No, the distance. I understand. I got. Uh, I just wondered. If you... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 he's directing now. Look at this little subtle directing over here. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. First question: fourteen twenty nine was mm-hmm. the year for all of the almost all these questions. They all happen on this date in history. February 12th. During the siege of Orleans, during the Hundred Years' War, the Battle of Rouvray occurred, in which the French tried to intercept a supply convoy headed to the English. That convoy is how the battle got its more common name, because along with weapons, the English were transporting other items. So, the Battle of Rouvray is also called what? A- the Battle of Salt and Lemon, B, the Battle of the Herrings, C, the Battle of the Old Shoes, D, the Battle of the Dried Pork. Uh, Mother Courage. <laughs> <laughs> the Battle of Mother Courage. Uh, all right, let's see. Salt and Lemon, Herrings, Old Shoes, Dried Pork. So it's what the British were transporting. Yeah, they were they were transporting these items. The French tried to stop them. They didn't really do a very good job of it. But um, uh, yeah. I don't. Okay, I I think it's okay. The one of these that probably would be most makes sense to be transported 
at that time would and did they have dried pork in the 15th century okay i'll I'll just say dried pork because the others seem too perishable or impractical like salt and lemon and herrings or impractical like old shoes so i'll say dried pork is that your final answer yes Sorry, I'm, I'm hamming it up. But there you go. But that is not the correct answer, David. Oh, well. I'm afraid it was not the battle of dried pork. So we're going to roll the die. Number one. Number one. Jesus. This is going to make the fifth segment last for That was a number four. Number one. We have three people. How is it six? Okay. Leslie Hoban Blake, you get to steal this question. That would have been my dancer also, David. So now I have to think real hard. I'm going to go with old shoes is that you want to know why i think old shoes or you just want me to answer i'm making this up i'm making this up in my head and the idea is that the the the, the, because it's hard to march in boots and and whatnot because your 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 boots get ruined the old shoes would have been everybody would get an extra pair of shoes or two to to be able to keep going after all washington's troops you know lost their toes because they didn't have boots and shoes uh, and, and, their, and their feet froze. So the idea is that perhaps I'm going to just say old shoes. I would have been better off just leaving it at old shoes. No, I mean, that's a Thanks, very David. reasonable. David is David is impatient this morning. I don't know what you got going on, yeah, David. Well, we late. I have a matinee to get to. Oh well, okay. You should have said that. I didn't. We'll hear. get you out of here by five to two. So, <laughs> anywho, um, and you know that explanation is exactly what I hope you guys would think the explanation was when I made that up. But it's so, no, Leslie, that is not the correct answer. Vicky, you have a fifty-fifty shot. Right. You've, been, so, you've been running the game on this this recently. All right. So give me the two options. <clears throat> so was this battle of Rouvray also called the Battle of Salt and Lemon or the Battle of the Herrings? I'm going to say the Herrings. Is that your final answer? Yes. Wait, sorry? What did yes. you say? What did you say? You're hard of hearing. you heard of hearing. She got it. But you are soft of hearing because that is the correct answer. Oh, it is. It's it's of hearing. Vicky Quaggy with two points on the board. Congratulations. Yep, they, they were just transporting these big, giant barrels of fish. So there you go. Um, we are in the swim of things here on the Dave's Gone By show doing our Today yesterday quiz. Now, Vicky is in the lead already with two points, and Vicky can build on that if she gets this next multiple choice question correct. Are you ready, Vicky? I am. The year was 1832. I'm sure you remember this. Ecuador annexes the Galapagos Islands today. I've been there. Have you really? Hmm? Oh, my. Oh, oh. According to MetropolitanTouring.com, all of these are true about the Galapagos Islands, except One. All right, let's see. A, since there was no mail service, sailors in the 1800s would put letters in a giant barrel and then hope another sailor going near that address would deliver it. B, is a great place to stare at boobies, web-footed birds, that is. C, the 13 major islands have five different time zones, sometimes diverging by only 15 minutes. Or C, the name Galapagos is based on the Spanish word for saddle. One of these is false. false. The boobies are true because there was the blue-footed booby was nipping at my ankles, and I tried to kick it, and I got yelled at. Yeah. Um, so that I know, and the golf, I think it, the the saddle is correct. Um, I think so. Anyway, um, 
the time zone. That's interesting. Why would it have so many time zones? It's a small area. Let's see why it would have so many time zones. Um, and then the male, which might be correct. Uh, I'm going to go with, you know, actually, I don't, my French is no good. So it could be that saddle is not the right word. But I'm going to go with, geez, time zones. You're saying they don't have five different time zones. That is false. Yes, I'm going to say that. What time is it? What time is it? It's time to give Vicky Quaggy two more points because oh, she's not correct. Here's the deal. Wow, you are in the lead with four. Here's some of the truth about the Galapagos Islands. There's only one time zone in the Galapagos Islands because daylight is, is, is 12 hours long. They don't need any of that other stuff. Um, it is, however, one hour earlier than the rest of Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Um, also, tourists really did, back in the day when sailors would come to the island, uh, they would just leave all their mail or special letters, and, and, and then they would wait for other sailors who were going to other parts of the world. Are you going here? Are you going there? And they pick it out of the barrel. And tourists still do this. So it's kind of a cool, I'm surprised. Oh, I thought you meant they threw the barrel in the water and hoped that, if, that the sailors would find it. I, I couldn't water, imagine. Too. I've seen you have all those soggy, wet, moldy letters. Okay. <laughs> no, no, totally you can go into the. And you pluck one and say, oh, I'm going to Paris. I'll deliver, you know, I'll get this to the family. Right. right. Um, and they still do that. Tourists come in and leave mail to, to bring it elsewhere. Um, did you know that some of those blue-footed and red-footed boobies on the Galapagos Islands were named by Baron de Rothschild? He was oh. categorizing and classifying them. Hmm. And finally, um, it does mean sa- Galapagos does derive from Spanish for saddle. Why? Because a Flemish map maker named the islands when he saw the giant tortoises mm-hmm. and their shells made him think of horse saddles. Yeah. Go figure. So you, you learn something every day on the day. I have ridden one of those. Yeah. Did you really? Wow. There in the, in the islands you rode a turtle? Yeah. How was it? It was great. It's slow. It, <laughs> it was great very fast. You. How was it? it was great for you. How was it for the turtle? The turtle? I, I don't even think they feel yet. They're, I mean, uh, they're pretty solid. Yeah, because you're quite the world traveler, Vicky. Yeah, I'm envious. Who was it, Cease? Oh, just that old rabbit trying to challenge me to a race. (laughs) You got the whip and the riding crop on the side of the. Well, it couldn't win because it had Vicky on its back. That's right. Now here's the deal. We have a question for Leslie Hoban Blake to finish our first round of our today yesterday quiz. Um, So Leslie, you're not on the board yet. You haven't had the opportunity, but you may now. Let's see how you do with this. I did have the opportunity. I had a steal and I missed it. I missed a steal. You're right. Sorry. 1909 was the year. Premiering tonight with Max Fiedler conducting the Boston Symphony Orchestra is the Symphony in B Minor by Ignaz Jan Paderewski, or Paderewski actually, a composer who would briefly serve as prime minister of the newly formed independent country of Poland. Speaking of Poland... Which is <laughs> false about Venezuela? A, I love Are you serious? Yes, of course I'm serious. Because it's about Poland. Of course I'm going to ask about Venezuela. A, what, which of these is false about Venezuela? A, Venezuela thought the Simpsons was a bad influence on children, so they replaced it with Baywatch. B, Caracas, Venezuela has the sixth highest murder rate of any city in the world, and the first five are all in Mexico. C, the Helix building in Caracas 
has become the third largest mall in South America, which is cool because it started out as a maximum security prison. Or D, on Christmas Eve, it is traditional to stay up all night roller skating and then skate to mass in the morning. All of these are true except one in Venezuela. You said nothing that makes me want to go there. Um, So Baywatch for Simpsons, highest murder rate except for Mexico in Caracas. The wall was part of a prison. I don't quite understand all that, but maybe they could sell it to Trump if he gets back in again. And roller skating to church on Christmas. Is that basically it? Yeah, basically. Okay, ba- very basically. Um, Let's whisper. Oh, oh, damn it, welcome back. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get much is sleep. He, is he nodding night. off again? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I woke up at like six this morning because I'm used to getting up at 5.30 to go to school. Right. Don't, no. don't apologize, David. We all have our our, our days. Yeah. Don't don't even apologize. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with A. Baywatch. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, yes. Um, but no. Uh, or but is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah. It's just dumb enough to be so. Yes. That is actually well. Yeah, it is true. They they found that things in The Simpsons were. Um, you know, not family oriented, not, not appropriate for families to watch. They need something else to put on. So they put on Baywatch at this, in the same time slot. You got it right? No, you got it wrong. Because that was true. We were looking for what was false. Oh, I, I, again, I screwed up true or false. God damn it. That's on you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Leslie, but we have a steal up. I know. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I don't have an excuse, David. I did not get up at six o'clock. No, David Sheward. If yes. you can stay awake long enough, we, we can get. A steal opportunity from you on okay. this question. Which of these is false? Which is false about read? Venezuela? Yeah. Okay. Which is false? Well, you want me to read the? I'll read the. Yes, uh, read it. Yes. Sure. Um, it is B. Caracas, Venezuela, has the highest, the sixth highest murder rate of any city in the world, and the first five are all in Mexico. C. The Helix Building in Caracas has become the third largest mall in South America. Which is cool because it started out as a maximum security prison. Or D, on Christmas Eve, it is traditional to stay up all night roller skating and then skate to mass in the morning. Oh. You know, I met the foreign minister of uh, Venezuela once while I was uh, t- uh, had a job briefly at Berlitz. And he wanted uh, s- someone to practice his English with when he was visiting the UN. Wow. So I got a call to say, go to the Venezuelan mission by the UN. And it was, it was very interesting. He was on the Security Council. He told me what Putin was like. Uh, what was, is Putin like? Forget the quiz. What, was, what is Putin like? He's like a cold-blooded killer. He's very icy and, you know, haughty and, you know. We know that, but interesting that he would. You just tell that by looking at him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. it was very interesting. I had a very interesting conversation with him. He just wanted to practice his English. So it was interesting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, a lot of so, a lot of so Brazilians what, took took the the English courses. It was very interesting, and a lot of Korean people. All right. So, uh, which is not true about uh, Venezuela? Um, that it's the highest crime, which is not true, right? I think it's, it's false. Like it's a six. I think it's true about the crime rate because I just we just saw something about Mexico about the crime in Mexico. So. Uh, I think that number one is true. Number two is, uh, and and the other one was, uh, it's a tradition to stay up and go roller skating on on Christmas morning. 
And then Skate to Mass. And then Skate to Mass. And then the other one was... Uh, the Helix Building in Caracas has become the third largest mall in South America, which is cool because it's starting out as a maximum security prison. I think that sounds... Hmm. I'll say the one about the roller skating is not true. Is that your final answer? Yes. Well, I'd like to say you were on a roll, David Schwartz, but no, that is that is oh. absolutely true. They do that. This is a, a, a thing. Vicky, my God, you have four points. You can actually run right. the table on our first round if you get this right. You have a 50, I, 50 I'm going to say the oh, word Vicky. right because I think oh, it's... Vicky. Wait. What? Oh, no, I was just cheering you on. I'm she sorry. Oh, go, go. Oh, oh. Yeah. I'm going to say the murder rate because I think it's probably worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a crime that I have to tell you that. Uh, no, I, I think I stumped the panel. You uh, did. Here's, here's the deal. It's the mall. I a, thought you no. said it was a wall. That's why I said give it to Trump. I didn't well, hear more. Yeah, I heard more. This, this show. No, the maximum security. This is what happened. Um, it is not a mall at all. The domed Helix building was built to be a oh. shopping center, but funding mm -hmm. ran dry, and now it's used by Venezuelan secret service as a prison, cool. complete with Just human the rights and prisoners held indefinitely without charges and all that, that fun mm -hmm. stuff. So this is, uh, so it's B. B is the right answer? B is the, the right wrong answer. So that was okay. like B. Um, nobody got any points on that, I'm afraid. Um, and what's kind of cool is the roller skating thing sprang up when relations were very good between the United States and Venezuela in the 60s. So they kind of saw roller skating and thought that was a really cool thing. And it just became a, a thing on Christmas to do that. Interesting. Kind of cool. yeah. we, we're moving to the second round of our today. Yes. Here's what I want to know. Yeah. I've never never having been to Venezuela, is there enough flat surface for them to roller skate? You can't roller skate on a on a rocky ground or well, something. In a city you can, sure. I mean probably well, only if it's matter. only if there aren't cobblestones or a lot of hills and valleys. That's you know, that's so I, I guess think it's, it's hard to get into Venezuela now. Really? What I mean I think so. Well everybody's trying to get out of Venezuela now, so you know. A lot of the immigrants at the wall are either come through Venezuela or are from Venezuela. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a friend who traveled to Venezuela years ago, brought back poison-tipped arrows as a, it's true, it's a true story. And then at the airport, she kept bumping into people. We were like. <laughs> How did she get them through customs? That was a, a different era. There was a different, different, yeah. Wow. Poison-tipped <laughs> arrows. All right, well. We are covering the slings and arrows of outrageous trivia here on Dave's Gone By. Where Very are... good. That's a good one, David. Thank you so much. Vicky Very erudite. A... Thank you. Um, I'm wearing an erudite diaper. <laughs> Vicky has four points. David and Leslie yet to be on the board as we reach our second round of the Today Yesterday Trivia Quiz. So David, I try to pull him up. I try to elevate him, David. and it's not possible. Okay, uh, go ahead. Never. David <laughs> Joyce, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Go ahead. Here's, here's, here's a thing for you, but I know you love these. You get oh, the first three clues in, in the news. The news. Okay. Got it. So it can be names or words. They're not related to each other, but they're definitely related to what we're looking for. Okay? So the three words or names are bread, cake, Cheap suit serenaders. Cheap suit serenaders. Yes. 
serenader. What the hell is that? If you know what that was, you get it immediately. So I don't know if anybody. Cheap suit serenaders. Cheap suit serenaders. Cheap suit. Now that that's not a trick, is it? Where it's really something else, or? Um, well, they're all, they're all absolutely. You know, it can be word this or this word, or directly connected to mm-hmm. the clue. All right. Well, uh, bread and cake are fairly common. And what's been in the news this week? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, I, I should have mentioned it's got something to do something with to do with the news. <laughs> Uh, red cake, cheap suit, serenaders. What the hell is that? Well, the only thing I can think of is, uh, did somebody die, uh, who was in a cheap suit and then wanted some bread and some cake? Uh, and, uh, these Canadian truckers who are blocking bridges to the U.S. Canadian truckers. So, um... And that Ukraine may be invaded any minute. Uh, all right, so I'll just say Ukraine. Is that your final answer? Yes. We are the cheap suits there, neither from Ukraine. <laughs> oh, you stop there. Okay. Um, Ukraine is, I'm afraid, not the correct answer, David Sheward. Um, and by the way, you, Crane Theater, if you want to see the Frigid Festival. But anyway, I don't know where we're going with that. It comes up with a number four. Nobody's got four. Oh, I get it. The crane theater. Number five. Nobody's got five. Uh, all righty. Vicky Quaggy, you have four points. You right. can get two. <laughs> bread. Bread. Yes. Cake. Yes. So it's not toast. Not toasted cake. Is it um, sliced bread, sliced cake, but it's not sliced Cheap soup serenaders. Um, that's a really, this is a good one, Dave. Um, cheap suit. That's the, that's the one that if you can figure that out, you can figure it out. don't know that last yeah. one. So, yeah. If you do know it, it's obvious. Chocolate cake, lemon cake, vanilla cake, lemon, serenaders, chocolate, pound cake, pound bread. Uh, Let the meat cake. Marie Antoinette. Um, Antoinette. Uh, French. French bread. French. French. I'm going to say French. Is that your final answer? <laughs> it is. Oh, no, madame. I'm, I'm afraid that is not uh, going to be the correct answer. Leslie. Madame. Blaine. Wow. I didn't think it was going to come to me. Okay. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> well, of course, I don't get the last one. Cheap Suit Serenaders, obviously, is either a line from a song or a description that somebody gave, or they were uh, an old jazz group or something like that. I don't know. something, But I have no idea. So yeah. I'm, I was going to go in with sweet bread and sweet cake. I have no oh, idea. I, I will just oh. put sweet. I don't know. That's a good idea. Final answer? Doesn't fit the last one. Yeah. Well, um, you are sweet, Leslie O'Van Blake, but your answer is rather bigger, I'm afraid. So here's the deal. I was I was thinking maybe somebody's a Dr. Demento fan or would know the answer. Oh, it's Dr. Demento. Okay. Ish, okay. Ish, uh, well, here's the deal. Bread, cake, 
cheap suit serenaders, the word we're looking for, crumb. 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 Uh, crumb cake. And Cheap Suit Serenaders was the band, or is the band, that um, cartoonist R. Crumb released R. Crumb. when he did. It was R. Crumb and the Cheap Suit Serenaders. Yeah. I, I actually know R. Crumb. I, that wasn't D- Demento. I don't know R. Crumb. I, I don't mean I know him. I mean, I, I collected what, what his work crumb, for a while. What Crumb, what crumb so, was he But I didn't recognize. It makes sense. Yeah. R, it was R. Crumb. That, no relation. But this past week, George Crumb, the Pulitzer winning composer, uh, passed away. Hmm. He, he did a piece called Echoes of Time in the River. He won a 2011 Grammy for Star Child. He he liked using conventional instruments and unconventional. Were they related? For Tim- no, no, no. However, you, you, there's a theater connection here. He was the father of the late actress Anne Crumb. Oh, remember her from? Okay, Anne I remember her. Yeah, from uh, a few years back. Yeah, she was in a whole bunch of musicals. Right. But you're gonna say a whole bunch of crummy things. Yeah, a whole bunch of crummy musicals. Yeah, that's oh, what I thought you were gonna say. Well, she was okay. well bred. But here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We have another question in our second round of our trivia quiz, and this one is going to go to Vicky Quaggy. So Vicky, okay. four points. You can, you can. Let's see. Can add to it. Let's see. A multiple choice. Okay. February twelfth, nineteen fourteen, was the year released today. A year before Birth of a Nation is The Squaw Man, a 75-minute Western, arguably the first full-length feature film shot in Hollywood. The movie is co-written and co-directed by Oscar C. Apfel and first-time director Cecil B. DeMille. Incredibly, DeMille would direct five more short films. What? what? Hold on. Um, that's wrong. Go and check that. He would, he would, he would, oh, yeah, he would, he would direct five more short films just in 1914 oh. and more than 50 silent films overall in just a silent era. Mm. Okay? Which of these was not one of them? Oh, good Lord. Okay. A, don't change your husband. B, why change your wife? <laughs> C, so red the rose. Or D, Rose of the Rancho. I'm going to go with Why Change Your Wife. Is that your final answer? A total guess, yes. Uh-oh. Oh, pardon me. Um, well, I'm sure a lot of husbands would figure out a lot of reasons to change your wife, but that is not the correct answer. Richard Shore just posted that uh, George Crumb died today. He didn't die today. He must have died. He died last week. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Who died last week? George Crumb. That was, oh. oh, sorry. Um, but why change your wife? No, I'm afraid that is not the correct answer. That really is or was a Cecil B. DeMille. Oh, <laughs> Crumb had a doctor. Yeah, we have. Oh, so he deserved to live. David Shore. <laughs> you have a steal opportunity here. Okay. Which of these films was not a Cecil B. DeMille silent movie? Okay. So uh, give me the choices again. A, Don't Change Your Husband. Wasn't that what Vicky guessed? No, I said, Why Change Your Wife or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Don't Change Your Husband. Don't Change Your Husband. C, So Red the Rose. Or D, Rose of the Rancho. Oh, those both sounds, those all sound like they could be silent era films. 
and uh, and what year was this? Nineteen something. Well, 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 all of these were made by, and they're full length films no. by DeMille in the silent era between. Oh, oh, so the, not necessarily. Not in the course of his career. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so Rose of the Ranchero, Rose, don't, uh, don't change your husband. Or um, so red. So red the rose. So red the rose. That sounds like a real title of a real silent film. Uh, I'm gonna say and we have not had a D yet, so I'm gonna say Rose of the Ranchero. Is that your yes. final answer? Yes. Well, I'm afraid the thorns have stuck you on that particular answer. It's Rose of the Rancho, not Ranchero, but that, okay. it's Vegas Steel. It was a DeMille film. So, Leslie Van Blake, you can get on the board or steal this question. Okay, this is hysterical, and I have to take the time. On my DVR, I have the 1919 version of The Squaw. No, the 1920-something version of The Squaw Man that he did. I believe, I believe Warner Baxter is in it. Anyway... He redid The Squaw Man twice. He had an actual Native person play the Native lady, which was amazing. But, I mean, you know, it was better than... Um, at some point, it was done again, I think, Dolores Del Rio. It was, there was also a, um, a sound version, but it wasn't called The Squaw Man at that point. I don't think it had anything to do with PC. I knew that Rose of the Rancho was a real film. I, my feeling is that So Red the Rose is the one that this is not. I also have a book of the Squaw Man with the illustrations. My father collected the whole series of those illustrated books. It was part of his library uh, when, when he passed it. I took the Squaw Man. So, huh. so uh, but are you going with? I'm saying C. I'm saying so. Red the Rose is not the. Is not one of those. Well, a rose by any other name would smell very, very sweet for you, Leslie Hovank. Like you got that right. That is letter C. And here's the deal. Um, the So Red the Rose is a movie, but it was a 1935 King Vidor film uh, with Randolph Scott and Margaret Sullivan were in there. Um, both of the comedies, Don't Change Your Husband and Why Change Your Wife, they were real movies and they both starred Gloria Swanson. They were, uh, were popular roles for her. Um, yeah. And, and, and what's the last one? And Rose of the Rancher was based on a David Belasco play. Just uh, you know, for, for you theater people there. And yeah. just... The last thing I was going to say is we gave the bulk of those books to the DeMille Library oh, nice. as a donation. There's a there's a DeMille Library. It was in the, it was originally in the barn where he shot his first film out in L.A. I don't know if it still exists. This was in 2015. And these things have a way of disappearing. Yeah. But they were so grateful to get it. The, the thing was valued. It had no value intrinsically. But it was valued by somebody at like thirty five hundred dollars or something so that, for the book. That was that was C. Oh yeah, that was right. letter C. That was letter C. And when we went to the coffee house, you remember the coffee house with the drama desk? We went there for a a, a party. Oh yeah. There's a shelf of those books that I donated to the coffee oh, house. Wow. Oh, that's great. There were so many of them. There were. It was just. It was. An, uh, uh, he had like seventy of them or, or something like that. So. It's interesting that they were worth hundreds of dollars, but they should have been worth millions. I'm sorry. Um, Leslie Hoban Blake, you have two points on the board, and you can tie Vicky Quaddy if you get this question right. Oh, oh, Leslie! But here's the deal, Leslie. I don't know how you feel about these. Guess what? You get the second 
Oh God. Okay. All right. Am I going to get another one like the like the cockeyed serenaders or whatever the hell that thing was called? Cheap suits. Cheap suit serenaders. Yeah, I never, I never heard the of zoot that. suit serenaders. Okay. They're, they're fun. They're they're old timey corny sort of jazz. I I got it. I I and our crumb makes perfect sense. Yeah. Oh well. And I, I feel I should have known that. Type. Here we go. Here's here's Leslie's three clues in the news. Three words that are related to the word we're looking for. Corn, whistle, sheep. You'll see what is that? Is that an oh, that's a that's a breathalyzer. I know what that an is. An aspirator. Yeah. I got about six of those in my storage space. I don't know what to do with them. I should donate them to somebody. Corn. I know where I have to keep that one for okay. me. <laughs> Choices of begging for something like that, Lord. But okay, anyway. Thank you, David. Woman trying to think. Oh, sorry. Woman trying to think. Here we go. It's okay. You see the not, the not, not doing very well, but... Is that an Amadopar film? Woman trying to... <laughs> Starring Penelope Cruz, yes. Can you say them again? Absolutely. The words are corn, whistle, sheep. Related to some thing in the news. Oh, oh. He got it, okay. I think, I think. I'm not sure. I don't. That. No idea. I have all kinds of words for each one, but nothing that goes together. I'm going to say <laughs> I can say Blumenthal for all the difference it's going to make because I have no idea. But I will say, I will say, no, that was not what I was going to say. I will say stop. I know it's not the right word, but I'll say stop. Stop. Final answer? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sure. No, actually, we're closer with Blumenthal. That is not the correct answer. <laughs> we're going to roll the die. And, ooh, it's a number two, Vicky. Wow. You're hot this Have morning, Vicky. Yeah. I know, but I don't know this. I'm thinking corn silk, whistle stop. Um, what's the last one? Sheep. 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 Like sheep wool, shearing sheep, uh, sheep. The sheep, the sheep suit serenaders. That's right. <laughs> exactly. We're wild and woolly on this show, yeah. <clears throat> That's brilliant, David. That yeah. deserves a... Yeah. Sheep horns, but then, you know, corn horn, no. Um, sheep whistle. Whistle while you work. Um... Whistle song, whistling, whistle, whistle. It reminds, it reminds me of uh, the uh, uh, the hot dog whistle. Oscar Mayer, the wiener whistle. 
Hang on, one little baby whistle. Yes. The wiener whistle. Uh, right. Uh, yes. Um, David, you had that fixed. <laughs> but it doesn't fit. Corn. Oil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, corn salad. Uh, no. Uh, sheep salad. No. Uh, I know. And a whistle salad. No. Corn. Um, corn pie. Corn green. I don't know. Uh, silk. I'm just going to say silk. I know it's wrong. I'm just going to give a... Well, even though your answer was delivered smoothly, silk is not the correct answer. Yeah, I know. So, David Short, you seem to be somewhat... I confident. think I did. I think so. Well, what is it? Corn, whistle, sheep. Okay, now, I think it's dog because... And I don't quite get the... I think it's dog... And I think it's dog because the power of the dog got the most Oscar nomination. Wow. So you got it. Yeah, but how does it go with corn? Corn, corn dog. dog. Oh, dog, dog whistle. Right, that's probably he's probably right on the nose. But what's the sheep? Sheep dog. Oh, oh sheep dog. Sheep dog. No, sheep dog, dog. Of course, it is. You got it. David, you got is, it. Is that your final answer, David? Yes. Yes. All right, don't bark at me. Um, yes, David Short, two points on the board. Congratulations. Well, nice. the dog well done. I, I really wouldn't have gotten there. Yeah. Good good show. Good job. And look at this. Everybody's one of those on the board. Warner Brothers. I was just seeing one of those Warner Brothers cartoons on Tune In With Me where the sheepdog and the wolf both check in as if they're workers. <laughs> and they have a little time they have a little time clock. And then, and, and then he and one chases the other, right? And then, yeah, and then the sheepdog sort of beats up the wolf, and then and then he stop the whistle blows, and he stops mid punch. Said, "See you tomorrow, Ralph." You, you know, you, listen. You know, my kids had an Australian sheepdog, and it was a very unhappy dog until they found online uh, people who owned a sheep pen, and they would let you come for half an hour and let your dog chase the sheep inside a pen that had a, what it was wonderful the sheep didn't mind the sheep got exercise which they needed and and the dog ran around you know because the the dog would get their socks and pile them up it had to herd something it it's inbred that it's a worker and that's what it has to do so this was a brilliant idea i mean i was like 35 dollars a half an hour or something wonderful I mean, Joyce was saying dogs you know in a family if they have a couple of kids they start hurting the kids it's, it's instinctual no, no not they were hurting she was hurting socks, I swear to you. She would come and pile them all up and out of the laundry basket. Wow. It's like a terrier. It's great. You can't yeah. you can't, it's inbred into them. Now, speaking of yeah. inbreeding, no, I have no segue there. But I do go to the third round of our today. Yes. No, no. Is it? Yeah. Or is Leslie? Yeah. No, Leslie just went. And, no, and, um, I, I went. I didn't started, get it. You started the, the, the dog thing. Got it. Thank David, you. David Stewart, it's BCBC BC so far? It's well, that wasn't true. There was no letter on that. BC, um, yes. It's BCBC. BC. Okay. BCBC. BC. So we we go now to round three of our Today Yesterday trivia quiz on Dave's Gone By with me, Dave Lefkowitz, with our wonderful panelists. We have Vicki Quadi. We have Leslie Oban Blake. And we have our next question going to... David Sheward, on February 12th, 1947, fashion changed forever when French designer Christian Dior presented his first collection, New Look, which took Paris by storm. Which of these is false about Michel Dior? A, 
he named his first perfume in honor of his own sister. B, before becoming a designer, Dior tried to be a painter and even sold one of his works to Picasso, who bought it to encourage the young man's talent. C, Dior's father got his wealth from making fertilizer. Or D, Dior was so superstitious, he consulted a tarot card reader before every fashion show. Hmm. One uh, of these is false. Which of these is false? All right, so his perfume was named for his sister. He would try to be a painter, and he sold the painting to Picasso. Uh, his father got his money from fertilizer, and he was so superstitious, he had a tarot card reader before every fashion show. Those all sound equally you know, quirky and bizarre and entirely possible. Uh, so I just have to pick one that's false. Um, I think the fertilizer is true. I think the, the tarot, well, I don't know. I don't know. I think the perfume one is true. I think the fertilizer one is true. Uh, I think the, um, so was it Picasso or the tarot cards? I think it is. And if we're going by the pattern, it, it should be B because we've had B, C, B, C, but I don't think there is a pattern. So I'm going to go with the tarot card. Is that your final answer? Yeah. yeah. Right, let, me, let me read. Let me read. I see that David Sheward has the wrong answer. I'm so oh. sorry, David Sheward. Oh, well. No, we have a steal opportunity here from Leslie. I'm going to kill myself. Number one. Number four. Anybody have a four? I don't think so. Well, You're going to get a new machine for next time, right? <laughs> four. Two. Vicky. I'm going to say Picasso, because it may have been a different painter who bought bought the artwork. Is that your final answer? Yes. Well, you are... Uh, oh, I can't think of a... I need a joke. Hold on. Well, I, I would have I canvassed you all for the answer, but I didn't have uh, Vicky just got the right one. Oh, I did. That's correct. Here's, Dior did try to sell some sketches on the street. He wasn't a painter, but... He did for a period of time before he really went into design. He owned an art gallery where he sold Picassos. Oh. So that, that is kind of that, that part. So it is. So we're, oh, the, the next answer better not be, be a I'm C. so sorry, David. Yes. The, the next answer better not be a C. <laughs> Why? What are you going to do? What are you going to do if it is? I'm gonna, it's going to blow my mind because it's like. It was, <laughs> okay. All right. For a pattern. And jump off a bridge. What is your name, by the way, uh, Dave? Sorry? What what are you seeing this afternoon? I'm seeing Black No More from the new group at the oh. Signature Theater. Cool. Go we'll, ahead. Be, we'll be right around the corner from me. Hmm. You'll be right up the street from me. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, that big, I know, Big Whoop. <laughs> I really got you. I know. Well, we have a game here. We've got Vicky on the board with six points, David Short with two. Leslie Holband Blake with two points, but we still have some more questions. So, so it isn't quite over yet, but this question is going to be pretty important. We have this one going directly to Vicky. If you take this, Vicky, the game is. Good morning, Vicky. So Yours to win or lose. Not too much pressure. <laughs> I, know, I know. The year was 2005. Oh. The 58th annual British Academy Film Awards, the BAFTAs, are held in London today with. Martin Scorsese's The Aviator, about eccentric business magnate Howard Hughes winning Best Film. According to Factinate.com, which of these is false? 
about Howard Hughes. Okay. A, he became obsessed with Baskin Robbins banana nut ice cream. B, while he was living in Las Vegas's Desert Inn Hotel, Hughes brought up the nearby Silver Slipper Hotel just so he could take down its neon sign. C, when he was 12 years old, Hughes would ride around on a motorized bicycle that he built himself. Or D, he was such a germaphobe that he would wrap his slippers in saran wrap just to go to the bathroom. What's the first one? First one was he became obsessed with Baskin Robbins's banana nut ice cream. <clears throat> they all sound possible. Um, this which is true or which is false? Only which one is of false. Is false. So it's the ice cream, or that he bought a hotel so we could take down the neon. Is that what it? The sign of the other hotel. What was that other hotel? Um, he he was in the desert inn, and he bought the silver slipper. Okay. Um, or he uh, was such a germaphobe he wrapped his feet in. His slippers and saran wrap. Just go to the bathroom. And what was the third one? Third one, well, I might as well just... <laughs> when he was 12 years old... Oh, yeah. The, he the, around yeah. On a motorized bicycle that he built himself. He built by himself. You know, something something tells me it's either the ice cream or it's the, it's the neon. Because um, it may not have been that hotel. But <laughs> I'm going to say... Boy, that's a tough one. All right. <clears throat> or the bike. I mean, maybe he was not 12. Maybe he was 10. Um, I'm not trying to think. Get into the mind of Dave Lefkowitz. Uh, <laughs> and you don't want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> that's what this game is really about. It's not about anything else. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, my head. Yes. I'm going to say the ice cream. It could have been a different flavor, but he he could have loved that one for all I know. So, but you're going to say that's false. It was. I'm going to say that's false. Well, Vicky, even though we're nuts about you, we're not bananas about your answer. That that really was true. It was as true. Yeah. I will I will tell that part of the story that um, he he really loved it. So his advisors and, and people just bought 350 gallons of it, created all this freezer space for it. And by the time they were able to transport it and get it to him in Vegas, he went off banana nut and wanted French vanilla. <laughs> That's how it's used for you. An eccentric fella, but which of these eccentricities is not true? Leslie Hoban Blake, we have a six. I'm going to say, since it's not eccentric at all, the motorized bike, See, also fits the pattern, Dave. David. Yes, it does. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Well, as we're cycling through these questions and answers, uh, we're going to get some right answers, but unfortunately, like yours, we also get some wrong ones. Oh. Sorry, Leslie. Well, at least, at least it broke the pattern. It broke the pattern. But here's the deal: we have a steal opportunity now. Okay. From David Stewart. Uh, so which two are left and what are the letters? Okay. B, while he was living in Las Vegas's Desert Inn Hotel, Hughes brought up the nearby Silver Slipper Hotel just so he could take down its neon sign. Or D, he was such a germaphobe, he would wrap his slippers in saran wrap just to go to the bathroom. Oh, you know, those both sound true. So that's what's annoying. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> That's I, what's annoying, right. I think the Silver Slipper, I think it was a neon thing of a giant slipper. 
and I think it moved or something like that, and that may have bothered him. But I think he was a germaphobe also, so that that could be true. Uh, you know, uh, so uh, so th- hmm. he was such a germaphobe. He put he used to wrap his slippers in saran wrap. That Just to go in the bathroom. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't saran wrap. Maybe it was um, toilet paper, or maybe it was uh, uh, I don't know. All right, you know, if, uh, the pattern doesn't work anymore. So I'll say uh, B, the uh, silver slipper. Is that your final answer? Yes. Well, I'm afraid, David Short, your slipper answer has brought you ta- down to defeat mm. because oh. that is not the correct. I mean, he did. He, he bought it. It was this oh. giant slipper and he had it moved. And I believe. You can still see that sign in that graveyard they have mm-hmm. in Las Vegas of yeah. old uh, hotel signs. But what really happened, I, I did, you know, I was a little uh, cutesy on this one. He, he wouldn't, it's not that he would wear slippers on his feet at all. He would walk around with tissue boxes on his feet. Oh, okay. To go to the bed. Literally just a whole tissue box because he was so. Much, he, much more sanitary. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that movie Melvin and Howard? Oh, oh yes, yes. That's a My good movie. Favorite movie. Wow! Right. In the years. Uh, anyway, no points there, which I think actually pivots. No, Vicky. I get the win. No, no, no. I, I know. Oh, I know. oh, Vicky's winning. There's no question about Vicky that. Vicky has now officially <laughs> already won the game. Congratulations, Vicky. But we have one more question for Leslie, and then our tiebreaker. So Leslie. But but no David and I are tied. So I, this is my tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah, we see who gets the, the it's Olympic week. Yeah, you know, we are gonna see who gets the silver. Let's do right. it. <laughs> the year was 2018. Penny Lawrence, the deputy director of Oxfam, resigns today. Um, this follows a long investigation over the organization's behavior in Chad and Haiti, where members used Oxfam facilities to sexually abuse prostitutes, some of them likely underage. Games Gone By viewers know that I'm no fan of Oxfam, considering their financial support for borderline Arab terrorist organizations and their longtime bashing of Israel. So, which of these negative things is also true about Oxfam? Only one of these is true. Leslie, A. When Scarlett Johansson resigned as an Oxfam ambassador, Oxfam immediately turned to Natalie Portman, who said no. And then Hayden Panettiere, who said yes. B, Oxfam in England has been criticized for its bookstores, which squeezed out mom and pop bookshops just like the big chains do. C, Oxfam's intervention in Ethiopia, which was supposed to help Ethiopian coffee farmers, actually caused half a year of near starvation there. Or D, although Oxfam rails against the 1% owning more and more of the world's wealth, Oxfam's president, Abby Maxman, earns three quarters of a million dollars per year. Only one of these, though, is true. You know, when I lived over there, we again, that was not, everybody thought Oxfam was terrific, but we're talking pre-2000, and I don't know what how bad it was in those days, but it was the biggest. Everybody bought the Oxfam Christmas cards. I brought some to home to use. So I, I, I'm I'm horrified at this. I don't think I really followed this, and I didn't really know it. I don't doubt it at all. And God bless ScarJo and Natalie Portman for turning it down. Um, that 
that said, that's the end of my politics there. I'm, um, which one is true? Yeah, remember, of the four things I read, only one is true. The, right. the Chad-Haiti thing was part of the question. That was true. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's either the bookstores or the three quarters of a million for a year. Oh, no, which is true. Oh. It is true. Oh, I'm going to say A. I'm going to say that's the one that's true. Scars, the, the Hayden Panettiere taking over as the spokesperson. But is why they would want Hayden Panettiere in London, I don't know, but that's okay. Is that your final answer? Yeah, all of that. You have to take all of that together with my parenthetical thought, et cetera. Well, Leslie Oban Blake, some of your answers I'm loving, but that one I'm hating. You know, I made that Scarlett Johansson did resign from Oxfam over their Israel policy and stuff, but they didn't go to Natalie Portman. I made that up. There's nothing to do with Hayden Panettiere. That okay. They don't mention any specific ambassador anymore anyway. Why would the Hayden oh, okay. why would the Hayden Planetarium be an ambassador? Well, the, the kind of you're, you're joking, right? Yeah. Actually, it would make sense if Kevin Spacey was the ambassador for the Hagen Planetarium, but no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just rolling dice. Okay. What about the Hayden Planetarium? Um, well, you find Nobody it, can right? find it. Nobody can find it, Dave. That's and then you have to and you get to the Jupiter Symphony. Do we have a? Let hit five. Um, I'm just I'm just rolling five again. <laughs> Two. Vicky, you have a still opportunity here on this quiz question. You could actually really, you could, ooh, wow, you run away with this game already, but two more. I hate to do this, but can you read the remaining three? Oh, you betcha. Yeah, I put so much energy into this. I love reading them again. You know, I, I, I wrote okay. them. Um, so, again, the question has to do with Oxfam. Something right. negative. And which one of these is true? true? About them. A, was it B? Okay. <laughs> First one, B. B. Oxfam in England has been criticized for its bookstores, which squeezed out mom and pop bookshops just like the big chains do. C. Oxfam's intervention in Ethiopia, which was supposed to help Ethiopian coffee farmers, actually caused half a year of near starvation there. Or D. Although Oxfam rails against the 1% owning more and more of the world's wealth, Oxfam's president, Abby Maxman, earns three quarters of a million dollars per year. Well, it could all be true, but I'm going to say the Ethiopian, Ethiopia answer is true. Okay. Is that your final answer? Yes. <coughs> Sorry, uh, <coughs> I'm having a coffee, <coughs> but that is not the correct answer. Oh, I'm afraid. Uh, I made that up. I made that up. Ethiopian coffee farmers, but they worked it out, and that actually worked out well. So it wasn't a okay like that where they caused a starvation thing. So who's okay. who, David? David. David. A steal opportunity here. One of these, Esperdad. Is it Oxfam England and their bookstores, or is it um? That salary CEO Abby or, or sorry the president Abby Maxman. So which of these is true? They sound they sound like they both could be true. I'll say that the the Oxfam president makes three quarters of a million dollars. I bet is he makes true? more. I bet I bet that too. Oh oh now you're making me rethink it. Oh sorry. Oh David. we thought you we thought you'd locked in your answer. I'm sorry. 
That's not, we never do that. Locked I'm in sorry. My, okay, now go ahead. I've locked in my D. Wow. There's a, we've had a whole lot of stumpage going on on this episode of Dave's Gone By. Um, Maxman, I, I see this as a lot of money. Obviously, it's not really for a CEO, but Maxman makes only 423000 oh. a year, which Jeez. is, I guess, low for a CEO. Yeah. But it still sounds like a shitload of money to me for, for you know. <laughs> so it's the bookstores. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 um, they just they sprung up all over England, mm-hmm. and they squeezed out all these mom and pop bookstore shops. Uh, b- bookstore shops. So anyway, well, I mean, Smith was the big bookstore thing in in London. I, I don't think that Oxfam knocked out Smith. No, but the mom, individual mom and pop stores, they're saying, did. Okay. So that that one was true about hmm. Oxfam. So here's the deal, Vicky Quaddy, you have a six to two to win. On, uh, we have enough time. Congratulations, Vic. And David and I remain tied. Yes, that's right. Ooh, yeah. So, if you want, we can we can count this towards the top. And I have a special paper for my answer. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, okay. Vicky, you look stunning against that background yes. with the red shirt in the background. It's just. I picked that. What very, am I going to wear today? Oh, I got to get my red shirt. You got it. You got it. It's giving less. You should be styling time. these for people. You do this very well. Uh, I try. And I, 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 think. I love the, the background stuff. We have a tiebreaker. This is, again, it's not you're going to call out the answers. I'm going to read it once or twice. We'll write down your answer, and then I'll give a three, two, one, and you'll show it physically okay. on camera. Are you guys ready? Yes. February 12th, 1917. Hmm. Debuting in the Chicago Tribune today is a brand-new comic strip created by Sidney Smith who ended his previous comic, Old Doc Yak, to create this one. The debut panel introduces an American family. Parents Andrew and Minerva, son Chester, Buck the dog, and Hope the cat. Name that comic the first one ever to have one of its characters die. Oh. Uh, No idea. Uh... What was the name of his previous one? Old Doc Yak. Mm. Uh, uh, oh, let me think. Uh... And I will say, I, I, little hint here since you're struggling. The character who dies is not one of those main ones. All right. I, okay. All right. Hmm. Have you all written? Have you all? Um, yeah. Leslie, you also? Okay. Yeah. I'm wrong, but I wrote something. Yeah, me too. I'll read the question again. The year was 1917, debuting in the Chicago Tribune today. There's a brand new comic strip created by Sidney Smith, who ended his previous comic, Old Doc Yak, to create this one. The debut panel introduced an American family. Parents Andrew and Minerva, son Chester, Buck the dog, and Hope the cat. Name that comic the first ever to have one of its characters die. Three, two, one. I see Gaslight. Oh, Gaslight Alley. I said Andy Cap. Andy Cap. Yeah, I can see that. And happy for. Happy keeping oh, up with father. father. Oh, keeping up with father. Okay. 
Um, once again, I'm afraid uh, I have stumped. stumped. Even even David, who's a comic strip person, um, it was a very popular strip for for a lot of years. They made well on the radio. It was in movies. It was the Gumps. Oh, oh, oh Andy Gump. Andy sure, Gump. Of Andrew and oh. the wife. Sure, Andrew sure, sure. And who died? Um, a character. I'm glad you. I, I wrote this down. In 1929, they killed off neighbor Mary Gold, and it was absolutely a. Um, it was a scam. I mean, people were. Just, was that anti-Semitic of them, or, or they just happened to kill off Mary Gold? No. What? What? Why would you think she was Jewish? Because she had gold in her name. Yes. Oh no 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 no! She was just a a character. But and... she had Mary in her name too. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. It's she was trying to pass. That was, was Miriam stupid thing. Maybe she, she did a stupid maybe, thing. She, instead of changing the last name, she changed the first name. Maybe she married she a Jew. Of gold and maybe she married a Jew. Yeah, the, the, yeah. And, and their son became a copper. But you know, I don't even know what that means. Um, Enjoy your show, David. Uh, yeah, be careful. I, 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 I can still got a couple of minutes. So you don't have to, I don't have to rush off. Well, so David, oh. let's, before you rush, yeah, because it's only 10 after 12. And, and we know that matinees, we all in this room know that matinees start on, at 2 o'clock on Saturdays. Still, maybe not forever. Maybe they'll be changing those. But David, so uh, if we read you this week in theaterlife.com or culturaldaily.com, mm-hmm. what will we be reading that's new? Uh, well, uh, I have a, a review of Long Day's Journey into Night, which Audible did at the Mineta Lane. Did they really squeeze that to two hours? Did it yes. really fit that only into Okay. Well, they cut it down. They cut it down. And I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting production. And I, they said it in the summer of 2020, and I thought it worked. Oh, okay. I have no problem with transposing things. We do it with Shakespeare all the time. We do it with operas, so I don't see why we can't do it with Eugene O'Neill. Oh, you, O'Neill needs, if anything, he needs cutting yeah. all the time. And, and moving it into other, other eras. Did they um, take out the maid? I mean, how do you... Yes, they cut the maid. Hour of, yeah, okay, I'm wondering. They cut out the maid. Um, Elizabeth Marvel was really quite good because I felt uh, she was actually like how a drug addict would act and not like I'm a I'm a great actress having my big moment, which is how it's usually it's played. always played like that. And I've read some of the reviews and they said, yeah, no, when, when she has her thing at the end, she's mm-hmm. basically just she's a, you know, a drug addict collapsing. It's like yeah. you know, there's no grand to, it's time no for my it's time for my Tony Award. Uh, oh, all right. And how, how was the attendance? It was it was almost full. It's a small theater, but it was it was almost full. Who's um, the company? Who's doing it? I forgot. Uh, Audible. Oh, they've done they've done um, and they're releasing it as a uh, 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 an audio version. Yeah, they did the Billy Crudup uh, multiple yes. role thing down there too. Yes, I also have this also a review of um, uh, Prayer for the French Republic at Manhattan Theater Club. Yeah, that was three hours long. How was that? I enjoyed it. It's about a family of French Jews and they are deciding whether or not to move to Israel because of anti-Semitic act violence in Paris. Uh, and it's quite moving. It's quite moving. It had nothing to do with the death of Mary Gold, did it? And <laughs> 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 That play, by the way, just got extended. No. Oh, in <laughs> 1929, this comic strip you know, happened. So let's move to Israel where, where we'll be safe and all our comic strip characters will be safe. Uh, and also, oh, on the David desk, I wrote some things about uh, Tick, Tick, Boom and the Golden Age. And uh, so the Gilded Age, sorry, the Gilded yeah, Age. Yeah. Which has a lot of Broadway people in it. Yeah, and just the fact that both of these have so many Tony-winning people in it. Cool. 
Cool. So we, may I, say, may I make a comment? I'm sure you put this into your article, David. It's Bernie Chelsea. Oh, the casting yeah. director. I mean, that's the, anything that Bernie touches. Also, the good wife. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a direct line for for these people to make a living. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're they're always the best people right. as well. But I mean, that's that's I I've been checking. I've been following that. I didn't write about it, but I've been following and that. I'm, I'm that enjoying part. the Gilded Age. I think it's in. in yes, yeah, so am I. Some people uh, are giving it bad reviews because it's kind of soap opera ish. So well, it, of course it is. Yeah, it's yeah. Julian Fellows. What do they expect? My yes, God. that's that's what's been going on, and I uh, I will be doing a review of Intimate Apparel. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you seen it yet? I saw it last night. I'm, it I was opened? really hot to see that one. Has it officially opened? Yes, it opened last week. So oh, really uh, yes, no, maybe middle. It's, it's very good. It's, it's what's interesting about it is that it's an opera, and all the cast members are opera people. Who <laughs> it's refreshing to see different people. You know, usually we see the same people over and over again. All right. Okay. Um, hey, speaking me... about Julian Fellows, yeah. um, uh, Leslie Nickel, who plays uh, the the cook, Mrs. Pantmore, she's going to be appearing in Chicago at the Greenhouse. Oh, oh in, cool. in what? In a musical oh. called something like "How the Hell Did I Get Here?" Oh, <laughs> I ask myself that question every morning, yeah. ladies and, and gentlemen. It's next month, so I'm eager to meet her um, mm. and see the show. Oh, great! Cool. Now you can see. I can't, I can't. Oh, oh, oh. Joyce is cutting me slices of apple and she even took the peel off this one. So nice. Too nice. Such a wife. So you're not going to change your wife for sure. Oh, never, ever, never. Why would I change? Yeah. Um, But if people want to see Vicky Quality's shows, they have to go to the greenhouse to see Bible Bingo. Late Night Catechism. And Late Night Catechism. And then in a month, we open Easter Bunny Bingo because the Lenten season starts. You know. Hmm. Indulge me. How is Easter Pony Bingo different from Bible? Did you dress up oh, totally Bunny different. It's all about this. The show is uh, Easter Bunny Bingo, Jesus Resurrection, and Peeps. So we talk about uh, candy and the history of of uh, Easter and Easter movies and uh, actors who play Jesus. Um, oh, wow. Some look really good, and then you've got the blue eyed Jeffrey Hunter, who's my favorite. You know. Um, and, uh, and, Mac uh, and then we do a quiz, a quiz, Saint or, uh, sin or not a sin. We do that a sounds quiz. like a lot of fun. Are, are, are you in it? So much you... fun. Wow. So, Vicki, you get return people because each show is different. People that's come it. back for the... That's right, it. got They you. like that's one, they smart. come back for more. Yeah. That's very smart. That's so much guilt, they'll continually go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, has it been this long since you've seen Late Night Tagging? <laughs> or, or Bible Bingo or Easter Bunny Bingo? Is, uh... <laughs> Yeah. Are there questions about Marion Seldes as Herod's wife? <laughs> oh, oh, no, oh, but, you know, we could talk about that, Salome and the whole thing, you know, yeah. Now, Leslie Hoban Blake, is there a, uh, I assume it's not a new episode of Critics Circle, but you're certainly working with Charlie. On- well, uh, the one that's up now, the, 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 the one that's up now is the one that we did, but we're about, the skeleton crew is about to go up with uh, my good friend, uh, you know, I always hate that you say my good friend and then the name escapes you, um, Perry Gaffney. Perry Gaffney, who's an actress who played the lead role in 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 Denver, by the way, she played it in Denver and she played it in Westport, and so she has a very interesting perspective on it. And she's, I think, she's going to be reviewing for us quite a bit now. Um, she also has her own work. show. Let, let me ask that. that. That's an amazing thing um, to me is is that you've got this actress who was in the play out of town, 
being developed. It comes to New York, and they don't. Get, the playwright doesn't say, "I want Perry Gaffney for the lead." Well, no, not only that. It's she's worked with Ruben before. It's Ruben Santiago Hudson. She's worked with Ruben. Um, Skeleton Crew. This is not. A, this is a revival. It it was off Broadway. Now Ooh. it's on Broadway. Okay. Um, it's it, it's a very popular show outside of New York, and um, she had hope. She had she had auditioned for an understudy and didn't get that, which I found very I, that 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 hurt. I, I thought that was not right. But Perry was at my party. You both met Perry at my party. You you might have met her at my party. Very stately woman with long braids. Anyway, um, I didn't know her. I wouldn't. You know, I, I maybe I wasn't formally. She did. She did. Um. 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 Harlem duet for me when I was at the Blue Heron, which was the play about which was the play about Desdemona. Oh my gosh! Nice. Yeah. Were, were so, you playing Othello together? I don't know. No, it's, it's a little... Anyway, so yeah. anyway, we have that coming up, and we have the new opening coming up, which will be on everything that goes up on uh, the new opening. We'll put up on uh, on U on YouTube as well. The opening credit sequence. Oh no! Yes, new. okay. I was wondering what you were. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And and I think that's all that's going on right now. Well, it's enough. That's uh, great. My Cyrano, I I did a Cyrano review because I got to see the movie and Charlie didn't. But because yeah. it was based on the play, we were discussing the differences between the movie and the play. But that has I don't think that's been cobbled together yet. Yeah, but is I did, however, find yeah. I did, however, find my 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 nineteen something. From backstage, I did an interview with Peter Dinklage, hmm. and in it, he said that one of his great hopes, and this is before he got married to Erica, before he did any, before anything, um, he had just done a, a, a an independent film, and he had done The Station Master. That's yeah. when he did right. the Station Agent. The Station Agent, such a good Station film. Agent, thank you. And he said, it's in it's in the article. He said, just I just hope someday to be the hero and get the girl. And oh. then he does Cyrano. Where he's the hero and he doesn't get the doesn't girl. Get the girl. And I thought how yeah. sad, you know, how yeah. close, almost. Was he nominated for an Oscar? No, he was no. not. And I think that's a terrible As snub. Won an Emmy. He did. He he he, he was um he, he was nominated for a SAG Award. Yeah, and I, I think he did win an Emmy. Oh. But it wasn't on television. It is non-television. So no, for Game of Thrones. For Game of Thrones. Oh yes, oh, oh yes. Oh, no, yes. no, we're talking right. about for this movie though. The only yeah. thing this was nominated for was the costumes, which are gorgeous. Zerno is just an ephemeral, diaphanous work. You, you, you actually use clothing terms for that film. It's so beautifully shot in, in a little piece of Sicily. The, the, the town itself is, is, is a character. It's just beautifully done. So I mean, it was so cramped. And it, when it was done on stage, it was a little cramped thing. And it, you know, this just opens up and. Beautiful. Oh, so Do you think it's Benjamin Cumberbatch's? Or, I'm sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch's year. I haven't seen the uh, way of the dog. Or yet. maybe Will Smith. Oh, oh wow. he's overdue, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. I haven't even followed the, the Oscar stuff the way I used to. I haven't even followed the Tony stuff the way I used to. But I will follow you guys to the ends of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Those are David Sheward, Vicky Quaggy, Leslie Hoban Blake. Hope to see. Most, if not all of you, as a matter of fact, I'd love to see all of you next week because I know who our guest is and it's already pre-recorded. So <laughs> if you guys are free, we'd love to see you do this again and uh, have a wonderful And happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. May you all find love. <laughs> Zoom hug. Zoom hug. Yeah, David was like, screw Zoom all that. Zoom hug looks like, 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 like that 
thing in, in yeah. Black Panther? Yeah. Wakanda. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Like thank no, you, Joyce. Yeah. Thank that's you, close. Joyce. Um, okay. That's enough. That's enough. David's already gone. David's gone. He's on his way out the door. Congratulations again, Vicky. Yes, our winner. That's a great way to start Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy week to all of you. See you next week. All right. Take care. Take care. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, on Dave's Gone by, so much fun, so many guests. Ah, what a delight here on this February 12th, 2022, with the 837th episode of the Dave's Gone... Ooh, excuse me, the Dave's Gone By. Facebookio, podcastio, programmio of the stream. We're calling this one Frigid Dare, because we have all these wonderful people from the Frigid Festival. So, um, we still, oh my God, we, we still have our, our grilly crimes and old times to do, our Colorado Limerick of the Damned and our friends of the neighborhood to get to a bit more. Honey, are you ready to, to feel some criminality? Oh, I guess I've been working on my Yeah, yeah. Oh, I could, do, I could do the friends first if you need a, a minute or two. Oh, no, I, I, I just bet every time I move, I go, <laughs> <laughs> We know. Yeah, we do have a creaky bed. Okay. Mm. Anywho, really crimes old. the apple. You're okay? Do you want a drink? I, I'm great. I am, I'm golden. Thank you so much. Really crimes old times comes from... Whoa, what's the matter? I'm going to do something. going to change the lighting. Let's see. Barely registering, but a little. There we go. I like I like the warmer, the warmer color. No, that's that's colder. Warmer. Colder a little bit. That's still good. Oh, there we go. That's nice and bright. That's bright. That's all right. The Grilly Tribune. Um, not doing a commercial for it, by the way. Um, this is not in any way, shape, or form any kind of advertisement yeah, or promotion. Yeah. No, because I'm sure they're going to roll through this from, from Altice and go, oh, he's holding up a newspaper. He's probably telling people about it. No, I mean, you could. It's the Grilly Tribune from Grilly, Colorado. I don't think Colorado. it's a paper anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can. Just bear. I think it's still four days a week they publish hard copy. All the time, of course, on the web. And they have two articles in here every week. One is called Cop Log, which has to do with phone calls that come into the local police department. And the funniest, weirdest ones... They gather in the paper, and we gather for you here. Also, 100 years ago, Mike Peters goes through the Greeley Tribune Republican, that's what it was called back in 1922, finds the goofiest things that were published in the newspaper 100 years ago. We mix up both of those items into a little segment that we like to call Greeley Crimes and Old Times. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Grilly Crimes and Old Times, we do it every week. We'll do just a few items, because we're actually, I love this, we're, we're getting backlogged. I always worry when they don't have enough and they don't publish for a week. Well, because you, that, I love the panel with the six people, like some really weird photos. The one, one where you look like you're... Who's the guy whose eyes bug out? Not Marty Feldman. That's me. A, no, <laughs> oh, Ma- Marty Feldman, yeah. yeah. That one, it's like you look like you're, I don't know. He has, Mar- there was actually a parody song called Marty Feldman Eyes. Yes, based I Based on the Tim Curry. Yeah, there's some, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on. What a great, what a great uh, a group of guests. And then your 
quiz people. It's yeah. great. It's a fabulous show so far. Mm-hmm. Let's ruin it now with some grilly crimes and old times here on Dave's Down Time. I'll tilt this down a little bit because I, I get smaller as the show goes on. Aww, Let's have some criminality about a man on 16th Street. He told police he was starting a company and he would be going door to door to raise money. What kind of company do you think this man was starting? <laughs> I mean, this is the old-fashioned... Oh, what, what? what? door-to-door salesmanship? Well, he's selling himself. He's saying... He's, gonna, uh, he's warning people. Uh, I'm going to go door-to-door. Uh, singing telegram. Great, but no. Gigolo. No, no. Uh, tutor. Oh, that's actually great, Preacher. but no. No, nope, no. Nope. Carpet cleaner. You? Uh, barista. No. A nanny. Well, no. Poppy. <laughs> Professor. No, no. This is tough. I mean, I wouldn't... Police uh, chief. Closer. Congressman. Oh, security guard. Closer still-ish. School security guard. No, 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 no. Personal bodyguard. Not quite. Rottweiler? <laughs> Pitbull. Manner, in a manner of speaking, but no. Security dog? No. <laughs> no, the answer... Go for you. He's, he calls police to tell him he's going to go door-to-door collecting money to start his business as a bounty hunter Ooh. and bondsman. Listen, if you have to go door-to-door and tell people you're a bounty hunter, that's scary. Well, yeah. Like, hello, do you have any criminals on <laughs> That's right. You're more likely to find a criminal hiding out than you it's, already get a that's donation. That's a good way to really start yeah. a business. Right? Has yeah. he heard of like the thing called the interweb? Yeah, actually, what do they do before Kickstarter and GoFundMe? Like, what if an artist wanted to do a, an off-off Broadway fringe show it's in 1977? Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, social yeah. network pre-pre-Facebook. Send them an envelope. All right, we have an oh another crime. Oh dear, oh dear, a man at a park on 23rd Avenue in Greeley, Colorado, reported five teenagers. With skateboards near his RV after one of the teens pulled down his pants and showed the man his bottom. (laughs) So he called the cops on these kids. Because they probably said, don't skate near my RV. And they probably said, here, look at this, baby. And then they... Yeah, get off my RV, Lon, you can't... And what, what does amuse me is probably if you changed one pronoun in this story, he would have been fine. If you, if you say, pull down her pants, I'm, I'm sure the man would just drop his phone and start thanking God. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think skater people are not, that's not good. Uh, they're in good shape, obviously. That's not though. good, though. That's not good. I don't like that. Go do another one. All right, here's another one. A caller on 30th Street. Oh, oh hold it. Is the phone going to ring? Oh, I have that premonition. Hello. Hello. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. Where is the 30th Street? Okay. He reported a, well, <laughs> fix yeah, phone. a white you. truck blasting music. The man inside turned up the volume when he was asked to stop. Look at the people are just so rude. People are fed up with the whole pandemic. They're like, yo, you know, I can't take it. I mean, you know, you're asking the guy nicely, turn down the, I mean, he goes, eh, you of know, course, to 11. He might have said something naughty and listen. I would not ask anybody in a, in a, a van, truck, car to turn yeah. up. They might take out a gun and turn out your lights. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, this is what happened. You're taking your life. A woman on Lakeside Drive. Hold on. Ooh, ooh. 
She said that a house with big windows usually had its drapes open, drapes open and, and its lights on, but the homeowner had the drapes closed. And the caller then said she thought she heard rustling in the bushes. <laughs> is this the stalker? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's good when your neighbors are paying attention. <laughs> yes, yes. Right? They see, if you see something, say something. But if you're watching your, your house across the way That's so closely... Like, normally, I can see them, you know, having sex in the upstairs bedroom, yeah, but they close the drapes. Yeah, that's that's, How could they? That invasion of, like, that's creepster. I can't even focus my uh, my maybe, binoculars because of the pattern on the shades. I mean, maybe they're sleeping in. Or, or maybe they're, yeah. like, if it were my mom or dad, they'd be out taking out the garbage, right? If they're taking out the garbage on the side of your house, then you're going to yeah. get reported oh. to the police. I don't know. Anywho. Let's, let's, let's. You know, this is all sort of new anxiety-ridden, modern 2022 crime and reportage. Yeah. Let's take a breath and do some items from the newspaper from 100 years ago. In a divorce case in Greeley, the wife, <laughs> the wife said she married the man when he, quote, wooed her with soft words. And he said he'd take care of her children. And pay her grocery bills. After they married, ah. he put the four children to work in the beet fields mm -hmm. and made $432 from their work. He then spent only 40 bucks on the children and kicked their mother out of the house. Wow. Wow. I gotta ask that, that guy for some advice about marriage. Let me tell you, this guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, joking, joking, dear darling. Remember what we have for that kid. <laughs> 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 uh, yes, yes. In, uh, let's move on to New Raymer. Yes, yes, New Raymer, Colorado, which doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Uh, now it's called Old Raymer. <laughs> it's previous Raymer. The principal of the high school talked to a man and said that the man's son had been stealing from the school. The parent became angry and punched the principal in the face. The father is in jail now. Always got to worry, even back then. Even then, it's like, my boy, not my boy. Didn't we watch, we watched like a week ago, that Alfred Hitchcock episode. Oh, the kid was so Our beloved friend of the neighborhood, our late friend, right? Egg Asner, he's a father who doesn't want to admit that his, 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 his kid well, is... Well, made the kid that way because the child was... Uh... Uh, sociopathic or psychopathic, I don't know the term, but he made him that way because the kid uh, disobeyed him when he was younger and he put his hand and the kid's hand in boiling water, a pot of boiling water, right? Because he wanted to discipline the kid. So he, he, I think the message was you can destroy children or yeah. the personality and the feelings of people. Oh, it's a great episode. And, and uh, although the thing is, it was so creepy. The, the boiling hand thing yeah. kept the kid from drilling the woman to death. So no, that did work. No, no, he only didn't drill her to death because he tripped over the cord and reach. He was going to Oh, he pulled her. the yes. thing out. Oh, that's right. You're right. He yeah. He done it. He killed Pedro Perdido. He throwed us off. Yeah, he was a bad seed. He was indeed. I don't think he was a bad seed. I think he was, that was fostered yeah. in him by his appearance. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about the Twilight Zone, but, yeah. but uh, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, present, that, that's got some good stuff on it. Yeah, we should watch more of it. We got it on the Peacock. For you people, you people. Who rent out? I'm, I'm reading from 
verbatim from the newspaper from 1922. For you people who rent out their farms or homes, make sure there's no bootlegging on your property. In the Mead area, a rental farmer was caught making whiskey. The land and house were claimed by the county because of the moon shining and lack of tax payments. The farm owner was not charged, but he lost the farm. Wow, this thing beat, what was it, bit the farm? He, uh, yeah, he ate the farm. Yeah, yeah. Sold the farm. What, what do they say when like, someone dies? He's something to the farm. He left the farm. He bought the farm. He bought the farm. I think that was it. Something like that. Um, let's move elsewhere. We do this on Greeley Crabs and Old Times. Not every single item that we do on the show is just from Greeley or Northern Colorado. We do one or two that are odd stories from elsewhere in the universe. And we have one. We have one. This one comes, and it's new, from Detroit, Michigan. True story. A Michigan school district. And again, this is even, uh, this goes back to the times we're living in. A Michigan school district has debunked and found themselves forced to debunk a wild claim that the school provided litter boxes for students who identified as furries. Those are, of course, people who dress up as anthropomorphic animals. (laughs) (laughs) A Facebook post detailing the hilarious rumor is blowing up online. Quote, literally, they have to come out and say, say this, quote, there is no truth whatsoever to this false statement accusation, wrote the superintendent of Midland Public Schools. At an open meeting, concerned parent Lisa Hansen said she was really really disturbed. I think she is disturbed. After reportedly learning from a student that, quote, at least one of our schools in one of the unisex bathrooms has a litter box for kids who identify as cats. (laughs) No shit. Quote, I'm all for creativity and imagination. But when someone lives in a fantasy world and expects other people to go along with it, I have a problem with that. Hanson defined furry. (laughs) Her definition of furry is someone who identifies as a cat or dog or whatever. Footage of that spurious accusation was subsequently shared to Facebook by the co-chair of the Michigan Republican Party, who wrote, quote, Parent heroes will take back our schools. In response, the school superintendent wrote, quote, Let me be clear in this communication. There have never <laughs> there have never been litter boxes within MPS schools, unquote. But this is, you know, this is the other side of the misinformation thing. But it's like when kids would come home and make up a story and tell the kid another side, and a parent hears about it, and it becomes you know, old man, we used to have old man Jack yeah, but it's on the our block, the, you know. It's the way that the rumors, I mean, rumors always travel. Now they just travel uh, digitally. Lightning but, speed yeah, overnight. Yeah, yeah. And then you have parents like, because that was the, you always had the boogeyman. You had the Boo Radley on, down the end of the block. Oh, yeah. That was always. Mm-hmm. But but now it's sort of like, there's a there's a litter box I in school. When I, when I was a student teaching at Fordham. Yeah. And the professor I worked with was like, 
let me know if anyone's taking a picture of me because the cell phones just came out. Hmm. And I was like, why? And she's like, they're going to post it online. She was like paranoid about people getting your image. I was like, oh, okay. But I was like, I really, they're struggling to learn the content of the class. (laughs) Most of them are not like taking pictures. No, but but in some ways she's right. In some ways, you know, any kid holding up 10 seconds of a video can destroy a a teacher's career. Um, Or build it, it, depending on the... Let's let's do a, a few more crimes in old times, and then we'll go on with more of Dave's Gone By. I have the energy. Oh, because this was such an energizing episode of the show. I, I had so much fun. Yes, yeah. A caller. Oh. Hello. Hello. A caller on Thirty Fifth Avenue. Oh, okay. Okay. There we go. <laughs> Reported. A man screaming at an older man, quote, I don't care. This is only a caller on 34th Avenue reporting a man screaming at an older man. I don't care how old you are. You don't do that. <laughs> Was it meatloaf? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but I would do anything for luck. No, you won't do that. <laughs> well, everybody's a critic. Oh, man. A man on 19th Street reported three people. I don't understand this. This makes no sense. He reported three people were squatting in his house after it burned down. Okay. If the house is burned down. He means there was a fire, like it wasn't good. Are you you seeing on a foundation? No, but I think it's like, you know, after a fire, usually you can't, like we've seen houses here, after a fire, you can't go in the house. It's not. not, But he isn't down to rubble. It's still. No, but what do you mean, habitable, unhabitable? I don't know the English. It doesn't, yeah, uninhabitable. But it means, you you know, so so if there's a house like that, a lot of times abandoned buildings, like all these ghosts or these zombie buildings, people live in. True. Yeah, I mean, squat, I just yeah. thought it was funny the way they put it. That after the house burned down, there's people squatting in it. Like, okay. Maybe, maybe they're ghosts. That could be it. That could be it. Or as I like to say, that's the spirit. <laughs> Shall we do another old... Maybe. I, Potato, did you fart? No. <laughs> No, no, he didn't. He didn't actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, pop the window open. They're not working. Um, let's see. How about... Oh. You know, some tobacco dealers in Greeley and Loveland. This is from 100 years ago in the papers. Some tobacco dealers are having problems selling cigarettes to women. In Loveland, one dealer said he would sell cigarettes only to pretty women. Why? I, I don't know. I guess they look... No, oh. I, 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 pretty women in Greeley. The dealers sell them to the women's brothers who give them to their sisters. That's that's right. They give those give but your no, sisters I, cancer. I never smoked, but I remember the guy on the corner it was like a candy store, and he would sell cigarette loose cigarettes to, to people. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember asking some friend, "I do you smoke after sex," and she said, "I don't know. I've never checked." <laughs> ah! You know what? I think we'll end the segment. I have to stand because I can't sit on that bed no more. That's a per- this is a perfect Valentine's ending of our segment. Greeley crimes and old times.
Mr. Horace Greeley was no fool. Oh, he was not. I'm sure that you'll agree with me that Greeley was no fool. What he is getting a news that Mr. Greeley was no fool. Yippee-yi. Now, I don't know if this is a promise or a threat, but we still have our Colorado Limerick of the Damned to do. Before we get to that, and, and then we'll end the show, I do want to thank you so much one more time, or, or thank the folks one more time who have been on this episode of the show. For this particular episode, so many people to thank. Don't forget Rabbi Saul Solomon, founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. You can find out more about him, read his sermons, his rabbinical reflections, watch his stage show at shalomdammit.com. Ah, um, it's just this, this is one note that's really, ah, the others aren't bad. C isn't bad, um, as you can see. <laughs> um... Shalomdammit.com is also the place you can watch 10 episodes of his hilarious television program. It's all there for free, Shalomdammit, D-A-M-M-I-T.com. Now, Rabbi Saul had the honor of interviewing a bunch of fun people from the... You know, Jason, I hate to say it, but yeah. you and the rabbi are closer and closer. You seem very similar. Really? Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we, we don't have the same temple. What the... Did you just hear that? Yes. What in the name of hell was that? I don't know. It's somebody deep in a horn. That's a... And then, you know, they're doing giant construction work across the way, but I've never it, never it, heard anything like was, that. I think it was a big horn. Yeah, that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he had the fun of talking with people involved in the frigid New York City 2022 festival that is happening February 16th, so starting this week yeah, through I, March I 6th. There's, it was go- so bad that when the rabbi left the talents, it was all sweaty. I'll remind you, these are the shows to see, among all the others at the bridge. I mean, I would have loved to talk to, or Rabbi Saul would have loved to talk to a whole bunch, but had a great time with Keith Alessi, who's doing the show Tomatoes Tried to Kill Me, but Banjo Saved My Life, Grant Bowen, his play A Public-Private Prayer, Mike Lemmy, who wrote Bathroom of a Bar on Bleecker, Brian Schiller of Three Funerals and a Chimp, and Julia Vanderveen, My Grandmother's Eyepatch. You can see every single one of them, and, and in fact, I think they're all also streaming. Go to frigid.nyc. Frigid. It's nice to get the backstory and, and hear a little bit about um, their experience. Oh, yeah. 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 Thank you, by the way, also to Emily Owens. I'm going to get that right. Oh, was she the person who Emily Owens, the press agent, who said that. And it was her idea. I was like, oh, I, I, I'm interested in this one. I'm interested in this. And she said, well, what about having a bunch on? I think that's smart. Yeah. Light bulb. I Thank hope, you, Emily. I hope they all do really well. I hope they sell out to capacity, the COVID capacity they can do. I hope they get. Yeah. I hope they're all successful. I mean, really, yeah, the delightful folks they to tangle really with. Good shows. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see every one of those shows, too. Very good. We, we, you know, if I don't go into the city, I'll, I'll, I'll stream them. We'll we didn't ask. The one thing we should have asked the guy who kind of organized it was, do they have, like, a thing where you could get a package? Oh, like a festival. Frigid.nyc, I'll bet you. I'm sure. I, I didn't look. I didn't see it. Maybe not. Some fringe festivals, you buy 
Uh, you know, the thing, and you get pass, to see everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pass, yeah. Um, maybe they do. Maybe they, I don't know. I'd have to go to frigid.nyc, and so could you. I posted before. Thank you also to David Sheward, Leslie Hoban, Blake, and Vicky Quadi. Go see Vicky's um, bing, Bible Bingo and Late Night Catechism if you're in Chicago and can get to the Greenhouse Theater. But these are just the people who have been on this program today, February 12th, 2022. We've had people who've been on this program weeks ago, months ago, years ago, we want to let you know what they're up to, and we call those folks the Friends of the Daverhood. Oh, thank you, Ludwig. little music under as we tell you about some of the folks that are going to be doing things. In other words, they've been on this program, and now they're doing something great with their careers. We're going to let you know what. For example, tonight on Long Island at Landmark on Main, that says further out east on the island, Lucy Kaplansky is in concert, so go see her at Landmark on Main. That is this evening, Saturday night. Now we go all the way to Monday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. So much to do on Valentine's Day. Broadway by the Year is back. Scott Siegel's show, and it's going to be the new wave. Um, so for years, Scott Siegel and, and his wife would put together these concerts devoted to a particular year or two on Broadway to change things up. Now they're having different themes, but it's still Broadway and cabaret-level people doing the songs of the era with some explanation of them. It's Broadway by the Year, The New Wave, and it happens in Manhattan, right in Midtown, Town Hall. For tickets, go to thetownhall.org. Hon, guess what? We have an alert. We have... And... An Austin Pendleton alert! Because the ubiquitous Austin Pendleton is Pendletoning... He is going to be honored by the Theater for the New City Love and Courage Gala happening at the Players Club on Monday night. So a big mazel tov to Austin Pendleton, just this this incredibly talented, and, and he just you know he can probably retire at this point from the money he's made doing various TV shows and he's been in the occasional movie and stuff. But he's always doing cabaret. He's always working, doing off off Broadway shows as well as Broadway ones, do go, uh, well, I mean, if, if you want to buy a table or, or support the Theater for the New City, their Love and Courage Gala happening at the Players Club this Monday night, honoring Austin P. And then Monday night, I know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be watching Rabbi Saul Solomon taking part online in the Gingold Theatrical Group's Valentine Slam. Rabbi Saul, he doesn't, it's going to be sometime between 6 p.m., and 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, everybody gets three minutes, no matter how famous or, or in Rabbi Saul's case, infamous you are, to read poetry, to sing a song, do a monologue about love or Valentine's Day or even the, the dark sides of things. And read, go to Gingold Theater Group's website and read about it. And then you can see if you want to watch. It's free to watch this Valentine Slam Although, of course, Gingold will want you to, to make a donation. 
among the other people performing at this online event as part of it are three friends of the neighborhood. Charles Bush, the wonderful playwright and, and uh, do you even say female impersonator anymore? I mean, he often dresses up as women in his plays, but Charles Bush drag, that's it. Um, Robert Cuccioli, and we should have a Robert Cuccioli alert, since he's constantly doing things as well, and the wonderful uh, comedy actress Renee Taylor, if you remember him, uh, her, him, I am getting punchy, if you remember her from The Nanny and on all those shows she used to do on Broadway and off Broadway with Joe Bologna, Dingo Theater Group, it is live, it will be the Valentine's Day Slam, go to their Website and also their Facebook pages, which is where you'll watch this. This Monday night, Valentine's Day, 6 p.m. to 7.30 on their Facebook feed. And Rabbi Saul, I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss him. He's going to be reading and reciting classic Jewish love poems that he wrote all by himself. Oh, yeah. Yes. By the way, on Tuesday night, February 17th, Bill T. Jones is going to be in conversation with Yvonne Rainier, or Rainer, excuse me. That will be a live stream conversation at NewYorkLiveArts.org. Bill T. Jones, a groundbreaking, exciting Broadway and dance choreographer. He and Arnie Zane uh, created the the Jones and Zane choreography dance group. And Jones um, choreographed Fela and some other Broadway shows as well. So if you want to hear him talk about his work, first of all, you can go on davesgoneby.com and hear our interview with him from a few years back when he was on one of our Tony specials. But you can also hear him in conversation, newyorkliveartsorg That is on Tuesday night. And then um, coming up later in the week, we have, let's see, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I think it's Friday and Saturday day then. Um, yeah. Melissa Errico is going to be at Feinstein's 54 Below playing, singing songs from and promoting her new album, Out of the Dark, from Ghostlight Records. Melissa Errico, this coming weekend, Friday and Saturday, um, at Feinstein's 54 Below in person. Also, going to playing now through the middle of February, so a couple, <clears throat> couple more days to still catch this, On Demand. From the Untitled Theater Company, which Edward Einhorn runs, his play Alma Baya, available on demand, untitledtheater.com, and that's theater with an E-R. Robin Hitchcock is still doing his Wednesday living room concerts now through February 23rd. Um, and, And speaking of passes, for $20, you get tickets to all four. $5 a concert, sit at home, in your living room, put on the good speakers, And there's Robin Hitchcock for like an hour and a half playing hits and rarities and cover versions. And and his, I'm I'm not sure if he's married, but his wife or girlfriend, she accompanies him sometimes. A lot of fun. Definitely check them out. Robin Hitchcock on Facebook. R-O-B-Y-N Hitchcock. Playing now through the end of February and probably long beyond that. Eric Comstock and Barbara Fasano at Birdland on Saturday nights at 7 they're there tonight, 315 West 44th Street, so it's between 8th and 9th Avenue on 44th in Manhattan, Eric Comstock and Barbara Fasano. Also playing now through the end of February, um, David Schuert just mentioned this, 
the, the play by the new group called Black No More, which features our friend Lilius White, that is at the Signature Theater Off-Broadway. Vince Giordano and the Nighthawks are at Bond 55, and they're playing now through early March on Monday and Tuesday nights. Ruben Santiago Hudson is the director of the play Skeleton Crew that they were just talking about on the show. That's a Manhattan Theater Club production at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. On Broadway, Ray Bachor is still playing Amos in Chicago. The New Amsterdam Theater hosts Aladdin, the musical, which features music by Alan Menken. Jim Caruso's cast party happens every Monday night at Birdland. StageBuddy.com is a uh, website run by our friend Evan Siplo. So if you want to find about, out about New York nightlife, go to StageBuddy.com. DrDemento.com for new Dr. Demento shows. And for podcasts about upstate New York history, don't forget BobCudmore.com. And oh, my friends, those are the friends of the neighborhood. Beethoven there, that was the Larghetto of uh, uh, second movement, Larghetto, which I was somewhat near the, the Warsaw Ghetto, I believe. Anyway, it is only five minutes to 1 p.m. Eastern time here in the neighborhood. My gosh, we're almost an hour overtime, and so I can't get my mouth to work anymore. But yes, we have just a little bit more show to do before we let you go on this Saturday afternoon. February 12th, 2022, here on Dave's Don. I'm in New York. I'm on Long Island. But for a long time, my wife and I lived in Colorado. Well, when we were living in Colorado, I loved it so much that I started writing horrible, risque, naughty, naughty poems about so many different places in Colorado. Big, big cities, small towns, little hickbergs with only a a mailbox, not even a post office, and maybe a general store. Anything that I could squeeze into a five-line risque poem, a limerick. And this week, we go to Castle Pines, Colorado. I'll tell you a little bit about it and give you my horrific poem about Castle Pines, our Colorado limerick of the damned. A limerick is a comic verse of five lines, in which lines one, two, and five will end with words that rhyme. And likewise, verses three and four also end with words that rhyme. So this is a <coughs> limerick. Colorado, 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 indeed. Yes, we're going to go to Castle Pines, Colorado. It's a city of 11,000 people. It's actually pretty big. It's in Douglas County in central Colorado and really part of the Denver metro area. So that's, that's how it's zoned. It was basically put together only in the last 15 years to be a gated community with golf courses and luxury homes. Let me tell you about this. The, this median income in Castle Pines, median family income there is $135,000 a year. They should almost be working for Oxfam. But uh, they have lots of parks and trails. It's, it's a very nice suburb, shall we say, of Denver, 
right there in uh, central Colorado. Castle Pines, not so nice after you hear my poem, my Colorado limerick <clears throat> of the damned. When partying in Castle Pines, I always come dressed to the nines. For dating is tricky when women are picky and won't let you near their vaginas. If you have any complaints, please send them to Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. D-A-V-E-S-G-O-N-E-B-Y. Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. I read basically everything everybody sends me. I don't always have time to write back. Dave's Gone By at AOL.com. You're also welcome, please, to post your messages, your thoughts, your ideas right here on this Facebook page under the show. If you are a friend on Facebook and you want to or, or, or direct message me, feel free, on this Dave's Gone By Facebook page as well. I'd love to hear from you. you know, if, if YouTube would have only emailed me or messaged me instead of instantaneously bot-blocking me, we'd be having a very different conversation to start the show today. But anywho, I thank so many of you for listening, for writing in, for telling other people about the show, for remembering that you can watch archived episodes of this program either right here on this Facebook page for the past few years or every show we've ever done just about archived at davesgoneby.com, archived at archive.org. The audio is at castbox.fm. We do an hour of um, a random episode, Monday, uh, excuse me, Tuesday nights, 9.30 to 10.30 p.m., Prime time on Channel 20 on Altice Cable in Nassau County. And, uh, and, and yeah, so lots of different ways to see the same stuff. We like to direct people first to the main website, davesgoneby.com. So if, let's say, you want to share this episode. We had so much fun with the quiz and talking to the Frigid Festival folks. And you want to say, oh, my God, this is great. Or you know someone who's doing a fringe someone in America. I say, you know, you should watch at least that hour of the show. It's a really cool conversation with people who are figuring out how to make theater post-pandemic, theater on a, you know, a nothing budget unless they're running up their credit cards. You should watch this. Well, did they just miss it? No. Watch it right here on Facebook. Watch it right here, davesgoneby.com. It'll take about a day for us to get the program up on my website, but we will, and then it will be there perpetually davesgoneby.com. Also, want to do a couple more shout-outs to the fine folks at Ulit Minuteman Press. They are, I can give their slogan, I can give their logo and not actually advertise for them. Ulit Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. For years and years and years, they've helped me. They helped me put out this magazine, which I'm not advertising. I am not telling you to buy this magazine. I'm not saying how incredibly useful this is to people who write about theater, to who own theater, who book theaters. No, no, I, I, I wouldn't say anything like that about Performing Arts Insider, which some folks have called the Bible of Broadway for 77 years. No, 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 I'm not going to say it. And I'm not going to say what a fantastic job the folks at Ulet Minuteman Press do in putting that together. Wouldn't, wouldn't even dare. I think it, but I wouldn't even say it. But thank you so much to you, Lit Minuteman Press, and, and to um, folks who, uh, you know, who support the show and who support the magazine and all the endeavors of this guy, including 
One more website for you to check out, davelefkowitz.org. davelefkowitz.org. See, I'm putting all our video and audio and stuff from Dave's Gone By at davesgoneby.com. But if you want to read my stuff, I'm basically a writer. You want to read my plays, my short plays, my full-length plays. Do you want to read the theater reviews, hundreds of them, that I wrote in the 1980s and 90s and 2000s, they're there. If you want to read my egregious song lyrics, written dozens and dozens of songs over the years, the lyrics are there. Uh, if you want to read the interviews that I've done, they've just, um, Rita Rudner is on the cover of Long Island Woman magazine. This month is a January, February issue. I did that interview with her. She was fantastic. Um, and if you can't get a hard copy of the magazine, davelefkowitz.org, I'm posting it so you can read it there as well. Whole bunch of, th- you know, hundreds and hundreds of items. And, you know, like, like everybody else has reached my age and hasn't become famous, it's more important for me to have the viewership, to have the support, to have people read my work, watch my show, um, go and find, you know, the, the, little short movies I was in or, or the stuff that I've worked on with Rabbi Saul Solomon at ShalomDammit.com. That is now the most important thing, that I be watched and remembered and thought of, even if you're one of these people working for YouTube where you're just looking for a reason to take me down. You're just looking for me to say something else about Anne Frank that will be against community stand. I, I think Anne Frank is alive. Don't you? I think uh, this whole addict thing is a hoax. She's alive. She, she's old at this point. She's not hot anymore. But she's, you know, she, she's bouncing around somewhere in Amsterdam. Um, probably was low on money for a time. Probably worked about 10, 15 years in the red light district. So, and Frank. Are you on drugs? <laughs> I thought you said that. I'm now looking for a pet. I'm, I'm just goading YouTube to give somewhere. me for, for more reasons to take this show down, as opposed to the completely stupid and ridiculous reason. I'm happy that, you, that you're known at this, you know? Yeah. That, that someone took the time at YouTube to, to say, hmm, he was talking about vaccines, and not in the way that exactly is in line with the left wing that owns YouTube. Therefore, we're going to delete his show. Well, the great news, of course, is you can watch the show in a, a bunch of other ways, as I've just said. And the great news is that uh, it gives me me fodder to talk about. It gave me a half hour of golden talk opportunity at the beginning of this show to say, fuck YouTube. And there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, next week on this program, live, well, the program will be live. I'm not going to lie. The program, February 19th, Saturday from 9 until noon or thereabouts. Brand new live episode of Dave's Gone By, but featuring a wonderful, recording interview that we just did last week, Rabbi Saul got to talk to Judy Collins. Now, Judy Collins was on this program a few years back, about seven years ago. Um, Delightful, but back then we were still only doing audio, radio show, so you can get to see her, right? And I think I did the interview. I don't think Rabbi Saul did it. So this is a whole different animal, and yet still... So, one of the most famous people we've ever had on the show, and she's actually come back, Judy Collins, next Saturday, wow, on Dave's Gone.
gone by. Don't miss it. I'll be here. You be here. And uh, until then, happy Valentine's Day. I mean, I, I had a host of Valentine's Days when I was lonely, when I wasn't seeing anybody, when girls wouldn't even look at me. Boys wouldn't even look at animals. Wouldn't even look at me. I'd go to the farms and, you know, the sheepdogs, the sheep would see the dogs and be happy and be cavorting and playing with them. I would try and go have sex with the sheep and I'd be, ah, ah. So I've had my share of not very happy Valentine's Day. I hope yeah, yours I'll is happy. Yours. Uh, I, I wish a most happy and, and loving Valentine's Day to my my darling and is that because I peel the apple for you? Do you like she that? even peels me food. Yes. Isn't that... Isn't that when isn't your teeths are no longer there, I won't be <laughs> No, she won't kiss me because of COVID, but but can we can we do like a, an air kiss or like a soul kiss? Oh, or you got to come this All way. Right, hold on, I'll be right there. We'll make, we'll make sex noises so they know that we're actually doing it. Oh, okay. Happy Kissy, kissy. Ah, <laughs> well, well, you know, this oh audio-visual medium. What I, happened? I, I felt, and I know how, I know a potato felt. I walked into a hot thing. I felt. Oh, she, I, she I went into the ring potatoes. light. Oh no! Poor oh no! Potato. Maybe you scorched yourself from my kiss. From the love. Oh, it was so hot. So hot. hot. There you go. <laughs> so whether or not you have a life partner or current partner to love, maybe you have a family member that you love, or a pet that you love, or a hobby. That you, if, if you're lonely, but you have a great hobby, and, and that hobby could just be you know, over the pandemic, watching your favorite show, binging Game of Thrones or Mrs. Maisel or whatever it is, and you love it, spend Monday night doing that and enjoy your Valentine's Day. Most happy one to you. Have a great, happy week. We'll see you next time in the neighborhood for the 838th episode of Dave's Gone By. Until then... I love all of you. That's a blanket statement. I obviously don't. YouTube can, can take this down for me lying about that. Because some of you I love. Some of you are great. I'll tolerate the rest of you. I'm sure there are people watching the show. I, I, yeah, I'm really liking person. But either way, love you all. And gone by. Dave's gone by. And don't forget, Monday night, 6 o'clock to 7.30 in the evening, Gingold Theater Group on Facebook, Rabbi Saul, be there. Just be there.